Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. What is going on, everyone? Hope you had a great weekend. <laughs> and what a weekend it was. Return to the NFL and a Banjo Bowl 50 burger for the fans at IG Field on Saturday. Going to be a fun one today, folks. Uh, welcome to the program. Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with you. And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking a lot of pigskin and discussing the uh, retirement of Jets captain, first captain of the 2.0 Euro era, Andrew Ladd. A huge win for Canada over the United States for a medal at the FIBA World Cup. Novak Djokovic and Coco Goff win the U.S. Open. But uh, the headlines are Banjo Bowl and NFL Week 1 today on the program. Going to get right into it Michael, with Michael Remus in a minute. Shout out to everyone joining us on the podcast. And, of course, everybody with us live on YouTube. Hit that thumbs up, folks. If you're with us live, we always appreciate that. And if you're watching the show afterwards on YouTube, and make sure you are subscribed to the channel as we approach 10,000 YouTube subscribers on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Listen, just before we get to um, a little back and forth and some great audio coming out of the Banjo Bowl, I want to thank the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Our friends at Cool Bet, brand new lock shop, hitting the Monday Nighter, just dropped over at Edmonton Sports Talk. Our friends at Princess Auto. Of course, we'll get into a why not question of the day for not Autocorp, Modern Man, Aquatech. Manitoba Battery and Canadian Club, Vita Health, Wallace and Wallace, F Apparel, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Consolidated Supply, Boston Pizza, Royal Sports, Little Brown Jug, Aikens Lake, Breezy Bend, and of course our friends at Assiniboia Downs who are back at the track tonight with live racing beginning at 7.30 p.m. Uh, and of course we'll also get into a little bit of an update on the incredible response we have had for our Winnipeg Sports Talk package with the Winnipeg Jets. A four-gamer saw so many people just at the game that said they were jumping on it. A lot of excitement for a pack, and can't wait for that first game with UWSTers on October 17th. If you want more information on the link, it is in the description of the video, uh, as well as you can go to our socials for a link as well, or simply go to winnipegsportstalk.com. If you're listening on the podcast Click on that link right there, get all the information, and uh, count yourselves in. All right, let's do this. Michael Remus, what a game, what a weekend. How are you, my friend? I'm feeling good, Huss. Uh, it's September. I mean, this later this week, we're going to be having players in Jets jerseys on the ice in uh, Penticton at the tournament there. But uh, this Monday is all about uh, the Banjo Bowl. And um, recapping that, and um, oh yeah, NFL Week One. What a great, what a great weekend, us. Banjo Bowl beatdown, NFL Week One doesn't get better than that. No, I, uh, I mean, I think everyone knew if you watched the show on Friday that I was in. I mean, I was in about as good mood as you'll find me, and I'm usually in a good mood, but I was so fired up for the game on Saturday, knowing that it was going to be absolutely bananas. And, uh, you know, listen, I know the Chiefs lost on Thursday night, but the NFL was back. We're going to have this great Sunday. And, I mean, I, I, I was joking to Dusty on the lock shop earlier today, Reen, that I appreciate all of the long weekends in the calendar, some more than others. But if I was able to reschedule the calendar, I would love to have this Monday be 
the Monday off. Um, I don't necessarily want it to be Labor Day weekend because that's the trip to Regina. But I, I mean, maybe I'm just proposing back-to-back long weekends to begin the month of September as we get out of, uh, well, out of the... Uh, back, how about back-to-back long weekends in perpetuity? Yeah, well, listen, as I say, that, <laughs> that would be a plan. I will say this, and again, this is another one of the great things about having the Banjo Bowl on Saturday. I know that there was plenty of Bomber fans that needed a full day of recuperation yesterday to get horizontal on the couch, go in and out of consciousness, licking their wounds, probably with a big smile on their face about the game and get ready for uh, get ready for Monday because, uh, I mean, that was a scene, and we'll get into the game in a minute. Obviously, the Bombers, um, you know, did exactly what many thought would do, uh, return the favor um, along the lines of a complete bloodbath but my God, Remus, the atmosphere at that stadium, even before the game, two hours before the game, an hour and a half before the game, out in the Princess Auto tailgate zone, I mean, that's as good of a uh, of a game day experience, a party that you will find just about anywhere. I mean, it, it had like a big-time college football feel almost, to be honest with you, like from uh, you know what you associate with some of those bigger schools down in the south. People were eating, people were drinking, there was music, there was a lot of fun. A little bit of green in the crowd, which is always welcome. Uh, a lot of blue. Um, and as great as the pregame festivities were, when the main event got started, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers were all business and put up a, I mean, basically a historic offensive performance, scoring touchdowns on their first six drives, scoring their on their first nine possessions of the game. Um, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders had absolutely no answer for what the Bombers were bringing. You know, these uh, home games at IG Field, the last three, have been absolute parties. Um, with the Bombers averaging, I tweeted it out, 49.3 points per game at home in their last three games. You had that, you know, highly anticipated game against BC August 3rd, put up a 50 they had 47 against Montreal when it looked like Montreal uh, got on them pretty early with a couple pick sixes. And it was the Banjo Bowl. Uh, sorry, CF Banjo Bowl, what is it? Uh, 51 to 6. Uh, incredible. And yeah, you're outside Saturday afternoon having some little brown jugs, some CC and gingers. I mean, what better time is that? High, so much high fiving when you're scoring touchdown after touchdown. And, you know, the, the whole talk last week was, oh, the Bombers, their punt coverage was so bad. You know, they're starting, uh, the starting, you know, Sam, sorry, Saskatchewan starting all their drives at the 40. Well, I mean, one way to neutralize uh, or improve your punt coverage is to never punt. When you score six <laughs> touchdowns on your first six drives, and pretty much the, game, the game's done. I mean, no one's talking about Mario Alford's uh Pun returns because, uh, oh, sorry, there was one by Sean Bain. My bad. He had seven yards on one. But, what, I mean, there was one punt return for Saskatchewan the entire game. What a performance. Um, Dalton Schoen, three touchdowns. Kenny Lawler, one, probably should have had another. I mean, Brady Oliveira uh, receiving touchdown and 150 rushing yards. I mean, uh, all, their, all their big guns on offense were going. And, I mean, there weren't any huge turnovers on defense they just i mean jake dolgali just couldn't get anything 
getting down. He's, you know, zipping throws wrong or just every time on second down, they were stopping them. Uh, yeah, he also had Jackson Jeffcoat in his face every single play mm-hmm. of the game, it seemed. It's, and it was funny because I looked at the sacks. I was like, Jeffcoat, he must have had like a bunch of sacks, but the team only had three recorded sacks. The Jeffcoat had that, you know, strip sack, but fumble and fumble, force fumble, fumble recovery, but it seemed like they were in his face all night. I was surprised to only see three sacks uh, total, but yeah, he seemed un- un- very under pressure. A lot different playing at IG Field when the sold out crowd uh, than at Mosaic. Uh, you know, with, when you're in front of your own home crowd. So, uh, well done. Uh, you know, what was the number when they do the fall? I love when they do that, that when they say the number of false starts the uh, crowd has caused. Oh, I do, yeah. I love they that kept one. On, they kept on going up in the fans. There was a lot of uh, first downing. And it all, oh, I see Royal Sports has entered the chat. I think that Huss is deflecting right now. The Chiefs' loss was huge for him. I don't think he's still the same. Well, listen, I, I did have to talk about Kadarius Tony to about 50 people over the course of the weekend, but no, we've moved on. We've moved on. And of course it was very easy to move on because we knew how big of an event that the banjo bowl was going to be. And uh, it absolutely deserves it. The crazy thing, and like the second half of that football game was basically a victory lap. Um, you know, we always have, we always joke about uh, appropriate times for the wave. And there was a couple people that were hitting me with wave questions on Twitter you know, at the end of the third quarter, beginning of the fourth quarter, and I'm like, you know what? This is this is the quintessential wave time. Wave it up for the final 15 minutes of the game if you want, because that one was absolutely over. Um, and speaking of punting, <laughs> so Dusty was calling the game for TSN, and I was at the game, so I wasn't watching it. But uh, he was mentioning to me on the on the lock shop today that you know, the Bombers got those six touchdowns on their first six drives, added three more field goals, and then when Jamison Sheehan finally went out to punt in, I believe, the fourth quarter, he says, oh, the Bombers actually did did dress a punter today. Oh, nice to see Jamison getting an opportunity to get out there. You're exactly right. Take, you want to take care of your special teams? Uh, don't go on them <laughs> and just put it into the end zone every single time. Uh, it was... It was a scene there, and as I say, that afternoon, uh, Doug Phil would Huss prefer Tony or Kenny Lawler on the Chiefs. I think you know exactly. Well, I don't want to lose them on the Bombers, but if you were asking me who was going to start next week against the Jags and Kenny Lawler was available, I'd, tip, I'd pick Kenny Lawler. Um, but, Remo, let's get to a, a little bit of the uh, aftermath of the game. Um, Zach Caleros, <laughs> there was a lot of talk about Zach because of the cheap shot, the headbutt that uh, cost Pete Robertson his opportunity to participate in the Banjo Bowl. And in fact, Pete probably was kind of happy that he didn't have to be out there and be a part of that. Um, but I think we all thought that Zach Caleros would go out there first and foremost to win a football game, but there might be a little bit more in this performance. And we knew that the Bomber offense was not going to let up. Um, Zach talked after the game and uh, just discuss the performance and the level of execution that he, his offense, and the entire Bomber football team laid on the Riders on Saturday afternoon. What exactly goes into that kind of performance and that kind of execution? I think a focus throughout the week uh, of practice, of meetings, uh, of everything that goes into you know playing the game. Playing the game is the fun part, but the uh, the nitty gritty stuff that you got to do during the week to get to that level. Uh, I thought we. Uh, all three phases had a, a really good week. Is this a redemption game, a payback game from last week? This one felt personal. 
Uh, you know, it, it is a rivalry. I think it's just what you're supposed to do for the Banjo Bowl. You know, I think we're supposed to win that game. Uh, our, our fans were unbelievable. The atmosphere was, uh, you know, second to none. You know, it, it's, it's a weird start time, the 3 o'clock start time, you know, compared to the, the 7 p.m.s that we're accustomed to. But uh, I tell you, I was a little, little groggy this morning, but as soon as I stepped out there for warm-ups, I was like, oh, wow, adrenaline. There goes the adrenaline. So it was, uh, it was, it was pretty unbelievable the whole time. Here's Zach Caleros post game after uh, leading the Bombers to um, just an absolute stomping of their rivals, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, fifty-one to six, and of course they did clinch a playoff spot. Now, one other clip from Zach we want to get to um, was about the anger that he, I mean, very clearly stated was in, was there for him and the entire team after losing the Labor Day Classic, as well as the Pete Robertson incident. Uh, and Zach just talked about channeling the anger from last week into three hours of total domination of the green and white. Zach, you were angry after last game. A lot of guys were. Do you think you guys channeled that at all into this performance today? I mean, uh, I think where you channel it is, is during your preparation during the week. You know, as I said a moment ago, and... Uh, there's definitely an edge uh, to practice this week. There's definitely an edge, you know, in the locker room. And, uh, you know, you still got to put it all together and execute. And, and we did a good job of that. All right. So, uh, you know, Zach not going to lean into it afterwards. I think kind of moving on is the smart thing to do for a veteran player and a veteran team like Winnipeg. But, I mean, there was some malice in that performance, Reem. I mean, they were, they were making a point of um, sticking it to them I mean, listen, they did kind of call the dogs off later on, but, I mean, that game was over at halftime, and it couldn't have been done in a more humiliating fashion to the visitors. They set up the Rough Riders, Huss, so it was like, yeah, you know, maybe, you know, thinking, making them think they had a chance here in this game, having all their fans come in on the Saturday, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to take two in a row as dull gals looking like the guy, and, I mean, in all phases, maybe not special teams because they didn't really have to use Utilize. Yes. I mean, utilize. I'm looking at uh, how did the bombers? Oh, a lot of time with kick returning. You know, Greg McRae on the PR. How were the kick returns? Oh, uh, there really, really weren't any uh, any kick returns. They got the second half kickoff. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> couple field so goals. offense and and defense. I mean, so dominating. Five touchdown passes for Zach. Almost set a career high with six. Kenny Lawler calling for the face mask on the one that he dropped, but. Um, they really, you know, they want to make a statement. And you look at the Bombers after losses this year. John Hodge pointed this out in his column on Three Down Nation that after their three losses, they won all their games by at least 14 points. So uh, I think the, they take these losses personally. They know where they can execute better. And they certainly did that. I mean, the, all the talk about consistency last game uh, or last week, it was at times, you know, the first quarter, uh, they looked absolutely terrible. And then he goes for one drive. You know, three passes, 100 yards in the end zone. And it was more, I think we saw more of the three passes, 100 yards in the end zone uh, on Saturday with Zach. Again, uh, 319 yards, 18 completions on 21 attempts. Like that is a, an obscene efficient. I think he had a perfect uh, quarterback rating, actually. I, I saw someone tweeting that. So, I mean, everyone was, was excellent. Had Prukop and short yardage, getting a touchdown. Um, he was awesome too. So I mean, Augustine it was came funny. In. Speaking yeah. of that, I had a, I was on Cool Bet before the game, and I played a prop on Zach Caleros over two and a half touchdown passes, and 
Sure enough, they get right down there on the first one, and it's Prukop going in. Yeah. I'm like, oh, man, this is going to be one of these ones where they score six touchdowns. Prukop gets three from the one-yard line. Brady will get one, and he'll finish with two. Well, that wasn't a worry because uh, the next three possessions were all passing touchdowns. He got him in, got those numbers, cashed the tickets for everybody, and uh, was all nice. And you mentioned about consistency. Has there been a player this year for the Bombers that's been more consistent than Brady Oliveira? The bulldozer was going off again. 154 yards on only 18 carries. Also, four catches for 57 yards and a touchdown. So over 200 combined yards just from Brady Oliveira. He blows past 1,000 rushing yards on the season, and I think crushes his uh, total for uh, anyone that wanted a uh, a season prop on Brady. That one's in the bag. Career high of 1,144 yards. I mean, we're looking at a potential 1,500-plus yard season right now for Brady Oliveira, and you know, it'll be a very interesting conversation around the running back position with Andrew Harris and all he did for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers coming back at the end of the month for the Argo game on September 29th. And by the way, tickets are going fast for that one. Get yours if you want to make sure you're coming in. But holy smokes, is Brady Oliveira turned into the guy here. And uh, even cooler with him being a Winnipeg player, man, I saw a lot of number 20s uh, jerseys at the uh, at the stadium on Saturday. Um, but Remus, Brady Oliveira is the guy right now when it comes to that running back position. And when he is on, along with that offensive line, I mean, it is just uh, it is so much for defenses to handle. And needless to say, Saskatchewan couldn't handle any of it on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, that touchdown pass from Zach to him. I mean, Zach didn't have to do much. Looked like he's about to get sacked. Flips the ball to Brady, and he goes downhill. And uh, almost like guys are getting out of his way. I would not want, want to try to tackle him. They're looking at yardage. He's leading the CFL now, uh, 1,144 yards, 13 games. Uh, Kevin Brown behind him. He's the next up, 18 or sorry, 829. Also getting it done lately in the receiving game, catching four passes. Uh, you know, on Saturday. So I mean, this guy when the Bombers are winning, uh, Brady is the one who's you know running downhill, chewing up clock, but also getting it done. Um, through the air a lot more and I think he got off to a little rough start at the beginning of last season but I'm sure since, I think it's probably since like halfway through the year he's he's you know he's been awesome I mean what can you say I mean what a maybe there were some questions about you know the tough decision they had to make letting Andrew Harris go and handing the reins to Brady but it is amazing that have two Winnipeg guys back to back you know passing the torch like that and uh, you know they hope to keep this going all the way to the Grey Cup I do want to give a Shout out to a funny comment here. Uh, I think it was Doug Zapp, uh, or sorry, Randy Zapp wrote in chat as I mentioned how good the Bombers are um, after losses. He was saying, wait, so you're saying the Bombers should lose to Toronto and channel that anger for the rematch <laughs> in the Grey Cup. That, <laughs> I just thought that was, that was funny. And yeah, we are looking forward to Andrew Harrison and the Argos uh, return here. I'm sure there will be some. Revenge, although it won't won't feel the same, that's for sure, unless it was it would be in the Grey Cup. Now the Bombers do play um or actually no bye week this week. So R and R. A lot of guys probably were able to get R and R in the second half of that game. <laughs> nice and healthy, get some extra rest, and then get ready for the blue bombers. 
and the Argonauts game on the 29th of September. No, they, uh, they play. Sorry, a, I was, they, yeah. They, you're at the home schedule. Yeah. They play. They're for, in Hamilton on Saturday. Yeah. 10 and three bombers at the five and seven tie cats. Zach Caleros now 3,136 yards on the season. Nice, nice spot for them. So, uh, so yeah, the Hamilton game, then the bye. And then that's a great time to have a bye getting going into those back-to-back weeks when they're taking on the uh, Argos and then that big game in BC on the 6th of October. Let's hear what the coach had to say. Um, pretty hard to nitpick at a performance like that by his team. And uh, it sounded like Mike O'Shea had about as much fun as the fans did watching what his team was able to do to the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. The guys were on. Once again, when you execute at that high level, when the defense is playing that well, um, so the offense has a lot of opportunity. When you're running the ball that well, so you're staying on the field and you're chewing up clock, I mean, those things can happen. I mean, Zach was, he was on, right? I mean, that was fun to watch. Yeah, fun to watch for everyone, even the head coach. Now, uh, um, and I think with the way that the Bombers played, I mean, essentially putting that game out of reach at halftime um, probably allowed someone like Mike O'Shea, who is always so dialed in to everything, every minutia of every play, maybe to relax a little bit and take in the best atmosphere in the Canadian Football League. And uh, the coach talked afterwards just about the atmosphere, the noise, and the vibe in the building at IG Field as his Bombers did what they did. Driving in today, and I came earlier probably than I usually do, so I was at least four hours early, and it was full throttle all the way in on Bison, and you pass by some guy in his trailer and they're barbecuing and there's this guy who's in his, I don't know how old he is, 60s and he's got full equipment on and he's just holding court and I couldn't help but laugh and just feel so proud, you know, just to be a part of that, right? This It's pretty cool driving in today. It was really cool. And when they had the ball, how loud was it down there? Yeah, it's loud. Yeah. I don't think there's a debate. It's loud. Like, I think I've ever heard of that loud. Yeah, I don't know. Well, the uh, you know it was loud in Regina for sure for the Labor Day Classic, uh, but the uh, fans in blue certainly returned the favor. And you know, Remo, I kind of sp- you know talked about that you know on the on the footprint at the Princess Auto tailgate and everything that was happening around it. But there was a vibe like in the entire south side of the city. I think for pretty much the entire game. I mean, I took transit and jumped on at. Um, uh, at Confusion Corner, uh, and you know the buses are packed. Everyone's in a great mood, um, but to see how this game has become—I mean, the event of the regular season—it um, is so much fun. And Coach was exactly right. People were fired up. They were ready to go, and a lot of them were there very, very early, making the most of every minute of potential pre-gaming time before kickoff at three. Yeah, they know it's uh, a big game. I mean, sold out since July. I'm sure they're like great grass selling tickets for next year. Well, the schedule hasn't been announced, but I'm sure next year will sell out early. And I think there is some trickle down. Hey, if you can't get to this game, well, they're scoring 50 points a game at home. 
maybe you want to come outside and come to some of the other games. And you mentioned the next game, home game against Toronto. We'll sure have a big, uh, big crowd. But I mean, these guys know that this is a big game, that it's sold out. Uh, you know, driving it, you talk here, Mike O'Shea talking about driving the game and seeing the atmosphere. These guys want to win. And that's why they, you know, they were so laser focused this week, uh, you know, trying to beat up on Saskatchewan and, you know, did it throughout the first half. Uh, I mean, absolutely incredible performance. Um, you know, reminds me, you know, it used to be Saskatchewan would come to Winnipeg. And I remember sitting in the stands uh, for some beatdowns. So uh, it's kind of nice, you know, to give it back to them. And that's what makes this rivalry so so great between these two teams. Well, and, and, and I've yeah. so said this a million times. Well, maybe not a million times, but many times before talking about this rivalry. Uh, we haven't always been as privileged as we are right now to have such a great team. <laughs> it hasn't always been like that. I was in Regina for the 52 nothing massacre a few years ago. So um, I was thinking about that afternoon in the fourth quarter, <laughs> and it made me enjoy Saturday's game that much more. I see our guy Tyson Ducharme. He was there tailgating at 11 and, uh, and ran out of beer by two. <laughs> Nicely done, Ty- uh, Tyson. You can also see Tyson. Tyson, did the shirt come off in the second half yesterday? You and some of those, uh, some of your boys in the north end zone like to gear down. Uh, I would imagine that that would have happened uh, happened for sure at one point. Listen, I've got a couple more clips that I do want to play because we, we talked about Brady Oliveira um, and just the workhorse that he has turned into for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And um, Brady, after the game, talked about uh, the win, but also, um, you know, hitting the 1K mark and passing it big time Saturday afternoon. I'm blessed, man. I'm thankful for the opportunity every single day that I get to, you know, play for this team, my hometown, and every opportunity I get to go out there and, and play in games. Um, I, I work my butt off. This unit, you know, in there with my teammates, you know, they lift me up on days where, you know, maybe the motivation's not there, and, and that's my motivation in there to, to continue to come here and, and make sure I'm ready to go every single week to go perform like that. Because my teammates, I owe my teammates to go and do that. So, um, I, I just really tru- truly appreciate the guys in that locker room, and you know they're the ones that have gotten me to where I am in my career, and I'm just getting started. So, uh, this offensive line is doing great things right now. So we're going to keep on keep on building off this performance, and we got many more many more yards to chase. Not to play the comparison game, but I mean. You know the story, like you're replacing Andrew Harris, right? And you're yeah. you're putting up, a, you know, the same numbers that he did, if not better. More. I'm, a, I'm more. Um, everyone wants to keep comparing. I think we're we're totally different, we're di- different people. We're different people. Maybe there's some similar traits, but I think we are different as players. Um, but I'm coming for more, man. I'm, I'm still young in my career, and I know the sky's the limit for myself. And I know there's so much more that I can continue to to show what I'm capable of as a player. So I'm coming for more. Okay, you know, I'm glad we played that entire clip because, Remus, the end of that was very, very interesting to hear Brady being asked, I believe that was Taylor Allen, Commissioner Taylor Allen of the uh, Winnipeg Free Press, asking about, you know, everyone's always compared to, you know, to Harris, you're putting up numbers as good, if not more. And he made a point of saying more, more a couple times. Like, listen, I, I got... Everything great to say about Andrew Harris and what he did for Winnipeg. I still think it might be the most impactful single free agent signing that the team has made because of what it did to signal a a new culture of that team. 
But man, it is very, very clear that Brady Oliveira has seen the incredible career Andrew Harris has had, what he did in Winnipeg as such a key cog of those championship teams, and has said, I'm taking that to the next level. And frankly, that's exactly what he's doing right now. Uh, the performance and again when he's on you know when the bombers are winning he's part of that on you know chewing up clock making big runs and you saw it at the end i mean uh he makes a guy miss and he's obviously you know he's a bigger guy but he's got some serious speed and uh tackling him uh looks like you could be in some pain if you step step in front of that so uh he's been he's been awesome and i i think there are going to be comparisons it's inevitable in winnipeg guys playing the same position one after the other and um you know brady seems like he thinks very highly of himself and again we've had him on this program a great a great guy we know the work that he does uh with the dogs but he's also doing some great work on the field and uh again leading the league in rushing and a lot of talk now about most uh outstanding canadian as well for him and uh what an award that would be uh, we do have one other clip Huss, about him you want me to or you want to tee this one yeah. up next? I'm one? just going to say, most outstanding Canadian, like yeah. I heard a number of people say afterwards, I mean, you can pretty much lock that one up right now. Um, Brady Oliveira at this rate might get some legitimate consideration for MOP. Um, but Oliveira did speak on, you know, just gaining confidence throughout the season. And it's very clear. It, uh, I mean, if it wasn't maxed out to begin the season, it certainly seems like it's there right now. I really just think it's the confidence that I'm, I'm gaining and I'm stacking after every single game. I mean, there's nothing more valuable than game reps and experience. And as I continue to get these starts under my belt, I just continue to get confidence. And I think the biggest thing is just getting on the same page with the offensive line. I've spoke about that quite a bit this year. And every single week, it's just making sure we're on the same page and, and building even a stronger bond together and, and that chemistry. And I think every single week it's continuing to get stronger and stronger and we just know what we're capable of doing. So it's good because I'm able to go out there and play at ease and, and play freely and go out there and you know not just lower my pads no more. I can, I can just play free and make people miss because I know I was capable of doing that. I've done that before in my past playing careers in North Dakota or whatever, Oak Park, I've done that before. So um, I'm just playing freely now and, and more confident than ever. So I just want to continue to keep building. And you broke one. I broke one. And I, and I know, you know, I've wanted to, I think I've mentioned that earlier this year, I wanted to you know, take my game to that next level. And I think that next level is starting to break, break the long runs and show that I can make people miss and get those 30, 40 yarders. Um, so it's good. I, I owe it to my teammates. So receivers did an incredible job blocking on the perimeters tonight, allowing me to get those long runs, and the offensive line just dogging them all night. So um, it was a fun game to be a part of for sure. All right, there's the CFL's leading rusher, Brady Oliveira of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. What a performance by the bomb squad. And uh, Jeff Hamilton's going to join us recap uh, we'll get his thoughts on some nfl as well but really focus in on the bombers and <clears throat> and look ahead to the bombers hamilton bye week and then those two huge games back to back toronto at home and bc on the road um gotta give a shout out to our friends at modern man barbershops folks modern man now has eight convenient locations throughout winnipeg including their newest locations on either Pemina Highway or Plessy Road. Modern Bed Barbershop's got you covered, for fellas, for a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. Need to look good? 
Book your look via modernmanbarber.com and book an appointment at one of any eight Modern Man locations. Um, our friends at Aquatech have a lot going on right now. Of course, they've been helping people enjoy their summers with in, uh, in-ground and uh, above-ground pools throughout the year. But now, as we get into this period of time, they've got a big saving sale with everything in stock. But they're also planning um, about you know doing rentals, kitchens, bathrooms, or maybe even that man cave in your home. But this week... This week, you've got to get down to Aquatech. Visit them in-store or online at aqua-tech.ca now through September 17th for their fall into savings sale with up to 30% off everything in stock. In stock equals on sale. So get on down to Aquatech this week or check them out online at aqua-tech.ca. Well, winter's around the corner. But we still ha- do have quite a bit of fall left to enjoy. And certainly fall means football, but fall also means preparing for the winter. And uh, listen, you know around here, preparing for the winter means making sure that you have power. Batteries, Manitoba Battery, the local experts on all things battery related with the best prices in town and the best service around as well. Don't waste your money at the big box stores paying more and not getting that Manitoba battery touch, which includes free delivery anywhere inside the perimeter city of Winnipeg with any purchase over 60 bucks. It's that simple. Best prices in town, shopping local, door-to-door service. Get on down to manitobabattery.com right now. Give them a phone call, or you can always pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue as well. Um, and hey, a shout out to our friends at Canadian Club. I'm not sure that there's any Canadian Club left in Winnipeg after this past weekend. Uh, I know that the supplies were being stressed at IG Field, um, both of uh, CC for all those cocktails people were drinking in and around the rum hut. And of course, the uh, white and green. The only good thing looking in white and green at the stadium was those Canadian Club and Ginger Ale pre-mixed cocktails in cans, which, by the way, gang, you can pick up at your favorite beer store as well. And, of course, it and all the Canadian Club products, the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, available at your local Manitoba Liquor Mart. All right, Remo, one thing that we didn't talk about, um, we certainly talked about at the end of Friday's show. If anybody missed the marble race, it was an all-time WST moment because we knew Chris Strebler was back in town to take in the banjo bowl and do some stuff with the club. So we gave him a marble, and lo and behold, Chris Strebler, once again, winning in Winnipeg, was the marble race champion. And that was just the start of a whirlwind weekend for Strev. Uh, managed to bump into him on a Friday night. I popped into Confusion Corner a little later on. They did a little bomber event there, a meet and greet on some uh, Bomber for Life program. There was a lot of bomber fans around there. He was in great spirits, and he certainly was the star of the show outside of everyone that was in uniform. And it is wild seeing the connection that he has with fans in Winnipeg. And uh, we'll hopefully get him on in the next little bit. Uh, And certainly... Look forward to presenting him 
with his WST hoodie. If I'd known that I was going to bump into him, I would have brought it. But unfortunately, I didn't on Friday. So we're we're still waiting to get his his version of the green jacket for that uh, epic marbles win over on uh, on Friday. Well, yeah, here's the picture from Derek Taylor uh, showing the line for autographs, and this is well done uh, by the Bombers bringing him in. Uh, you know, for the meet and greet at the game, you know, events with the Bomber for Life uh, members what, on the Friday. Um, I mean, that's pretty well done. I think it was the first time he had been back since really going to the NFL. And you know, that he got cut by the Jets. Maybe he has some more big time as he works to get another NFL contract. But I think he's always going to be a legend here, Hustler. I mean, not just for, I mean, when you think of Strevler, Maybe the first thought that comes to mind is the celebration and the fur coat, but it really was what led up to that. I mean, playing hurt yeah. on on one leg, um, you know, running and you know through you know running what in the Grey Cup and the West Final. I mean, he was a huge part of the team. It was a great one-two punch with him and and Zach as you know the two different types of quarterbacks. So um, I think you'll always respect that level of performance he had. But I think he won upped it with what the video of him. In the fur coat, like busting through the door, holding, holding the gray cup, and you iconic. know, yeah, I, I mean, iconic, and you know, like that fur coat look. I mean, whenever you go to a game, there, and he's there, there's gonna be people. And shout out to Julian in chat who did uh, do the Strevler look, and uh, I saw you uh, met up with him at the game, Hus, and got yeah. a picture with him. Did you not? I did. I did. I saw Big Julian. There he is. He was rocking the Strev. Uh, <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> he was looking great. And that is just a perfect example of what yeah. uh, what people were. Uh, there was, we saw a few fur coats. We saw a ton of blue. Um, and, man, once again, I, 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 I sometimes I forget to mention this, but shout out to everyone that popped by and say hi. The love that we get for Winnipeg Sports Talk at these games is uh is awesome oh yeah and there's julian <laughs> with chris traveler <laughs> what a great awesome picture um it was great to see so many wstiers repping out there and great to see how many people had mentioned that they'd already got in on our jets pack um we just had such a great launch to that i uh i was already excited for the upcoming season and uh in particular to get this going but man uh there has been so uh, listen, the response for this is kind of beyond what we expected right now. I think it's got a chance to be even bigger than we had hoped, and that is a very good thing. But uh, if we could bottle some of that fun and some of that spirit from people who were at the football game on the weekend and kind of hopefully that can carry over to our nights at Canada Life Centre this year, going to be a real, real fun time for uh, everyone joining us for the Winnipeg Sports Talk Pat, uh, Pack. And again, if you want more information on that, there's a link in the description or go to winnipegsportstalk.com. Four games. We've got the Kings game, Oilers, Leafs, Flames, and a bunch of cool stuff for WSTers around those games as well. So uh, really yeah. looking forward to all of that. One thing on that. So we started section, you know, we're moving on to this uh, WST Jets Pack. Everyone's talking about it, asking me. Uh, about it too, uh, we pick. We, everyone knows we pick the best games easily uh, with the Oilers, Kings, Flames, Leafs. But we started three sixteen. They're almost all the three sixteen tickets are sold out, sold out, us. And now they've opened up seats in three seventeen. Okay, I uh, suggested them to do that, so that's awesome. <laughs> so I mean, there's a couple left in three sixteen. 
<laughs> not many, but they opened up two rows and 317. And people want to get in, have some fun. We're going to start thinking about chants, signs. Um, I'm thinking about bringing a thank you Dubois sign to that game for thanking him <laughs> that everything he's done uh, for the Winnipeg Jets, but more importantly for our viewership during right. yeah. During the yeah, drama. Thank you, PLD and Pat Brisson. Yeah, thank, thank, we appreciate yeah. everything you did for our views, for the growth of our channel. Yes, thank you. The two <laughs> the biggest gift. shows. Thank you, PLD. Thank you. Well, and big, it's the gift that keeps on giving because we managed to make, we made damn sure that that was the first game in this package, the return of Dubois <laughs> early on, uh, early on in the season. Um, anyways, folks, get on that and get those. And, and, you know, with the move over to section three like with the additional seats in 317 it's a perfect spot we could probably get some seats in 315 too as well just on either sides of 316 and they all come in right in that corner that bar will be doing the uh, the pregame get togethers right there bathroom outside for both men's and women's in that corner it is a great spot to be take it from me that has had seats up there since uh since 2011 so uh i can't wait to do with all you guys coming up for those four games this year um remo we're gonna dive into some banjo bowl talk and some nfl talk uh you know actually kind of fired up that former nfl or mike pritchard joined the program coming up after jeff uh after jeff jumps on but uh how did you enjoy the first full sunday of nfl action oh man loved it nothing like scrolling through your multiple fantasy apps or whatever bets you have going on. I don't know if you're a red zone guy or flipping the channels. Uh, it was awesome. And, you know, the main event for me was this Chargers-Dolphins game. And that game lived up to all the all the hype. Uh, so it must have been tough for you to watch. Well, the Chiefs did win the Super Bowl last year. But watching yeah. Tyreek Hill run all over San, uh, L.A. Chargers – uh, 200 plus yards. Uh, that was the game. That was the game of the day. But, I saw um, Maul in chat saying Tyreek's going to go for 2,000 this year, and he may very well do that. If two, if Tua stays healthy and Tyreek stays healthy, that is totally, totally uh, uh, in the mix. I will say this though: I actually really enjoyed that game because, <clears throat> first of all, the Chargers are in the AFC West, so I would prefer that they lost that game, which they did. Um, I've got a, we were kind of looking for divisional bets that we like preseason. And I took the dolphins to win the AFC East at plus three twenty, So that was really nice. But the thing that I was the most happy about <clears throat> was that little exclusive that I put together in the lock shop at plus six fifty. needed the dolphins to cover three and a half points. And, uh, when the guy missed the extra point, so they were only up by two basically locked that one in so uh yeah we hit a couple nice exclusives right now it was a great great start from uh from a lock shop perspective um but man there were some great games and honestly i think miami i think like looking at all the teams that you know that won or performed well the miami performance might be the most impressive. I mean Tua threw for almost 500 yards tyreek hill was absolutely unstoppable and when the Dolphins' defense needed a stop up by only two points, Justin Herbert with the ball, just under two minutes left, they uh, that was just an avalanche of pressure, and the uh, Chargers didn't, uh, couldn't have it. So um, Dolphins Nation, I think, justifiably very, very pleased 
with where they sit today after a really nice win on the road at SoFi. Yeah, I mean, again, uh, 11 catches, 200 yards. If you had uh, Tyreek and fantasy, you're doing okay. I think there were a lot of questions about Tua after you know, the big hits he took last year. How would he perform? And it seems like he picked up where he left off. The game I was glued to in the morning um, was the Vikings, that, you know, being on TV and uh, the proximity here. Um, you know, I was wondering, how are they going to do? Well, Justin Jefferson uh, certainly delivered 150 yards and nine catches and you were and Kirk Cousins you know the numbers look good but ultimately they weren't able to win uh you know Baker engineering what a go-ahead drive near the end and uh, the Buccaneers a lot of questions about them moving on from Tom Brady I mean this is a nothing line from Baker you know it's funny you look at these quarterback passing numbers Kirk Cousins 344 yards on 33 completions Baker 173 yards on 21 completions but it was the Bucks uh 20 to 17 with the win over the Vikings and you know, Bay, you know, didn't turn the ball over. Um, you know, they have some nice weapons there. Mike Evans with a touchdown catch. Uh, that's certainly a, a tough one. There, I know a couple guys in my survivor pool did have the Vikings, and they were oh, favored. Oh, jeez! I wouldn't have. I they were I the wasn't team that them. I had lost the right off the bat. Hey, I, I had we had Tampa. I had Tampa yeah. in that um, that exclusive parlay that oh, we cashed. Nice. It was one of my best bets. And I mean, when I look at Tampa, I mean they have taken a huge step forward. Mm-hmm. by improving at the quarterback position, by mm-hmm. getting Baker Mayfield. They've got a guy that's a warrior <laughs> that his teammates can actually respect, that is about the team, not about not about himself and his own personal brand. So I really think that what Tampa has done this year <laughs> is a real, real step forward for the culture of that team. And all you need to do is look at the scoreboard. They're 1-0, and winning yeah. on the road to start the season. Great job, Baker. Uh, that's for now. One player stood out to me. You know, talk a lot about rookies. I watched a bit of this uh, Baltimore Houston game, huh? And you're wondering, oh, how's Baltimore going to be? Um, Mark Andrews was injured. Uh, they brought in Odell Beckham Jr. A lot of questions about getting Lamar Jackson the weapons. Well, they drafted this Zay Flowers man. He was excellent. Nine catches, 78 yards, including a couple dazzling rushes. And you wonder when Baltimore if they're going to be able to take a step forward. Uh, in the playoffs, and they had the win uh, against Houston. The biggest disappointing performance of Sunday has to be the Bengals. No sign of Winnipeg Walter. Everyone's asking in chat where where oh, he is. Geez. Joe Burrow signs the big deal and has his lowest passing output uh, ever. Has 82 yards passing, zero touchdowns, 14 of 31, as they lost to the Browns. Um, Burrow is still the man. But stay away from anything to do with Joe Burrow when they play Cleveland. Yeah. I don't know why it is, but it just is the way that it is. The Cleveland Browns beat the Bengals, especially in Cleveland. That was a really, really tough spot for him to start off. I see the <laughs> Reg Dunlop. You're full of it, Huss. <laughs> I mean, on Calarius, Huss. That may have been slightly tongue in cheek, having a little bit of fun with that take on Baker Mayfield, but you know about it. And here's a great, here's a great uh, <laughs> Rick Buck. Rick, um, I know there's some Giants, Viking fans that are choked. Rick says the Giants are my team. Ugh. Rather have my balls set on fire than watch that. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds about right. I mean, what an ugly start. And listen, I I know the Giants look terrible, but I don't, my takeaway from that was a lot more impressed with the Cowboys than, 
I, I mean, like, I don't know what we want from Daniel Jones. He had a guy in his face half a second in every single time he snapped the ball. He got sacked eight or nine times last night. I mean, if you can't protect your quarterback at all, it's going to be a long night. and You'll probably get embarrassed, and that is exactly what happened to the New York Giants in primetime last night. Yeah, I was pumped. I had Dallas D and fantasy. I was playing Ted Wyman, Huss. We were, like, neck and neck. And I, uh, yeah, I might win. Like I had C.D. Lamb and Dallas D. I mean, Dallas D is absolutely incredible, as you said. In his face, pick six or fumble six off the, off the top. Uh, that NFC. I mean, three really really good teams. And I'm curious who's going to be in what 49ers looking very good. Christian McCaffrey, big day. The defending champion Eagles. Sorry, defending NFC champion Eagles and. Dallas as well, who seems to always disappoint. Uh, hopefully for them, you know, the Dak Prescott can stay healthy because uh, they look pretty good. I don't know if you know they got Brandon Cooks in there as a receiver, but when you have that defense, ooh baby, uh, well, watch out for them. So Cooks uh, was, um, you know, you should see that. What was that? Cooks had. It seemed like he had a lot of action last night. Yeah, I'll have to pull that. One other thing, too, us. I mean, you talk about the Giants getting pumped. I mean, have you seen the primetime schedule coming up? I think they're in, like, four of the next five weeks or, or something stupid like that. So get ready for a lot of Giants yeah, on and, TV. And, and the Jets. I know the Jets are going to be on primetime all year long. So, uh, well, they may need to flex a game in, like, week two or week three of the season, considering what the <laughs> Jet, the Giants showed yesterday, which I don't think has really happened before. Listen, we'll have more time to talk NFL uh, we've got uh, Mike Pritchard joining us a little bit later on the show, uh, but Hammer's going to jump on right away. Uh, just before we do that, hey, folks, um, a huge thanks to our great friends and sponsors over at Vita Health Fresh Market. You know, we're moving in kind of that transitioning from summer into fall and the new routine. Um, Vita Health has great prices on, you know, natural organic supplements, beauty products, groceries, Winnipeg's largest selection of local products, too and uh, all sorts of things to make you feel and perform at your best when you uh, when you need it. I know many of you have been staying quite active this summer. If your joints and muscles are sore, try taking Healthcare Human Supreme Extra Strength, helping ease pain and inflammation, and you only take it once a day. Um, you get all those great buys, grass-fed bison and beef steaks, all sorts of non-alcoholic products. Um, there really is so much you should get in, but... The website at myvita.ca, fully shoppable as well. And right now, you can get free local delivery when you place an order online. When checking out, just use the discount code LOCALSHIP, all one word. Details are on the website, Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations are online at myvita.ca. Our friends at Wallace and Wallace have a lot going into fall. Of course, you know that they're Winnipeg's fencing specialists, but they're also the specialists in overhead doors with the largest selection of overhead garage doors in town. And that overhead garage door had lots of ups and downs this summer, working hard to get you to and from everything going on this summer. Well, it's about to get a whole lot harder because winter puts much more stress on a garage door. The right time to prevent downtime this winter is now. Call Wallace & Wallace to book your inspection, 452-2700, and maintenance service call today. For residential and commercial overhead door sales and service, there's only one name or two you need to know, and that is Wallace & Wallace. Again, wallacedoors.com. 
or you can pop down to their showroom on Lawson Crote off of Keniston as well. Well, speaking of moving into the fall, how's the wardrobe looking as we get into these cooler months? If you need to up your menswear game heading into the fall, you need to get down to F Apparel at 190 Smith Street. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. F Apparel has it all to make you look tip-top as we head into a new part of the year. And, fellas, if you are planning a wedding this year, the winter, next summer, talk to the guys at F about a 15% discount for wedding parties when you get your suits at F Apparel. F's at 190 Smith Street, and you can make an appointment or check them out online at F. That's E-P-H-Apparel.com. And just before we bring in the hammer, shout-out to Nick and Nikki. There's a lot of victory blizzards by Happy Bomber fans at Nick and Nicky DQs after the game on Saturday. You can pop by and see them at one of their four locations, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, and the DQ in Niverville. And they've also just opened a brand new pita pit in Niverville. If you're in the area, pop by for delicious, fresh, healthy eats, all at great prices, and amazing catering as well. If you want catering from Nick and Nicky on the pita pit side, hit them up on Twitter or X at Peta Pit Niverville. All right, let's get the let's get Jeff Hamilton in here. Lots of football to talk about on this Monday. Hammer, what is up? How was your weekend? My weekend was awesome, man. It was uh, it was a beautiful weekend from what I can remember. Certainly in uh, many many ways in one, the the bomber game was just the, you know a near perfect performance from the blue and gold. Just so happened to fall on a on a perfect uh, day for three down football. And then of course, as you have been talking about on your show, Sunday was a very special day of sitting and watching and sitting and watching and eating and sitting and watching. So I, uh, yeah, definitely a great weekend and I got the next couple weeks off. So pretty exciting for me. Really? No, no work for Do you have any? Well, no, I was supposed or? to know. Jay Bell sent me a text message. Yeah. I had a couple shifts this week and then i have next week off the bombers are off on a bye week uh so just i i'm the worst when it comes to planning my vacation so i i I popped on that week and you would have had to remind me (laughs) heading into next week that i had it off i i just had forgotten and so jay bell my uh you know our great sports editor at the winnipeg free press sent me a text last night asked me if i was looking to take a couple bank days off for the shifts i had this week and just ride into the sunset for the next couple weeks so uh, that doesn't mean I doesn't mean I won't have anything planned. I just I uh, gotta I gotta figure out how I plan to attack these next two weeks, whether it's with a bit of travel or or some studying, and you know maybe this is the week that uh, all that work and effort and be- and gambling really pays off, and uh, you know I finally live the life of a true uh, you know true better. I, I was thinking I was thinking maybe you can just spend you know the next two weeks focusing on your fantasy teams, you know, hitting the waiver wire. Exactly. That's that, that's that mix that in with a little bit of uh, cleaning up and tidying around the place. And I think that's probably the, uh, the original plan. I joined another league. So I'm in three leagues this year, which is, which is okay. What is your team in the, uh, what is your team in? Oh, the Godfather. Mm-hmm. You are, well, you're still predicted to win. Mm-hmm. But you were in a you were in a tight matchup uh, against these dudes. Abide, oh, that's against Eddie Tate. Eddie Tate, yeah. I was, it was I was looking, you know, as as those odds show, I was looking pretty good for a while there, and then then Eddie started. Uh, it looked like I was going to lose that one, and now with Josh Allen tonight, and 
the Jets defense, which no one likes. I don't know why I picked the Jets defense. He's given, got digs. Uh, he's got, he's digs. got digs. So we'll see. We'll see. And he's got a 10 point lead here. So it's uh <laughs> it's an exciting one. I I I uh I benefited greatly from the Tyreek Hill in one of my leagues. I was kind of down and out in that one, and then Tyreek took the field, and I've already I've already wrapped that one up. But I I will I was it was unfortunate. I made I did the number one sin. I put one team on all my tickets, or actually not all of them, but too, but too many of them, and that just so happened to be the Chargers. So I uh, I got to watch that game go down. Had the Chargers Hell figured it out and, and got it done, then. Uh, I wouldn't say I'd be much happier than I am today because I certainly am happy, but I would be a little bit richer. Uh, let's get to the banjo bowl. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, an absolute shit kicking. I don't know any other way to put it. I mean, this was, uh, we knew that this was a possibility. They had done it before. And I think the chances of it were much greater because of the, uh, like they seemed to go into that game with bad intentions when it came to showing up the riders coming off that Labor Day loss. And, yeah. I mean, Jeff, I don't know. Actually, I should tell this story quickly. Uh, we all know Gregory Liverpool, uh, one of our most loyal listeners, the original caller number one. I saw Gregory <clears throat> in the stadium before the game. Oh, and yes. Gregory often has some crazy-ass predictions. And I said, Greg, what, uh, what's your call today for the game? I said, just give me a number. Just give me a score. And he goes, Winnipeg, 84 Saskatchewan 16 and I sort of laughed because he's like yeah could be a CFL records record of points today and I was joking that it was a lot of hyperbole well at halftime they had 42 they were literally halfway like Gregory's game script was exactly right for the first half until they sort of called the dogs off but uh I mean just what a, a that first half was about as perfect as you will see a professional outfit execute we kind of were just looking around at each other in the press box, being like, "Okay, I guess the you know the fast starts, oh, the, the or the slow start narrative is is a bit over here. Nice, nice tidy touchdown by the by the Bombers to rebound from you know some bad field position off the original kickoff, and that ultimately led to three points the other way. Um, you know, you have you know it's, it's it's just it became almost funny. Like it was just like, is are they going to ever not? get to the end zone are they are they planning to punt i mean it was just pure domination i I don't know any other way to really explain it other than to say that it was just personal (laughs) you know it was it was personal and and you know certainly zach Kolaris is uh you know as i wrote about and uh, you know throughout the week and and kind of particularly after the game is you know zach Kolaris was obviously livid seething from not just uh, not just the headbutt. Obviously, his anger was very much fueled by the Pete Robertson headbutt. Uh, but he was also very very displeased with how the offense was playing and, and really how the offense had playing for, for for a bit now. I mean, it had been a few games where it just it had just been slow out of the gate, and the Bombers were able to find their magic, whether it be you know through a big turnover on defense or an offense that finally got things going by the end of the game and was was enough to to seal the win. But this one was just right out of the gate early often and and you know had it not been for a dropped catch by Kenny Lawler who I think was just trying to sell and you know a fake pass interference call because he didn't want to be the guy that stopped the streak would have been exactly what it was seven in a row you know and so it was just you know I I mean clearly it was a great effort by by Zach Kolaris and he was certainly on point and in his zone Um, I, I think that you know I said you know it felt personal because I think it was personal for Zach for Zach just 
you know, having given a speech after last after the Labor Day Classic game, he addressed the whole team. He ultimately, you know, said it wasn't good enough, and that you know they have a chance to 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 make up for it. The you know the next week, obviously being Saturday's bangeable, and that you know that everybody better take full advantage of it. And that certainly was the case. The O line was unstoppable. Brady Oliveira continues to write his story of you know this season. Dalton Schoen got in for a hat trick of of touchdowns. Kenny Lawler found the end zone again. Both of them finished with a game high 104 yards and Brady Oliveira having 211 all-purpose yards. I mean, it was about as dominant as a, as a, a, you know, an effort as we've seen from this prolific offense. It's been prolific, you know, really since Zach Claros has come on the scene in 2019. Um, Like you were around there afterwards and we, we played some of the, the, the clips from Zach um, and listen, it was pretty business-like, um, you know, like he and the Bombers always are, and it kind of comes down from the coach. But I'm just wondering, in and around there, like, was that sort of putting up the the, the front of, you know, the way Michael Shea, hey, we're going to go 1-0, and we, we win, we're on to the next one. I mean, all of that business-like form. Did it seem any different, specifically around Caleros, with what happened last week? Um in the dressing room afterwards, such an amazing uh, performance or, uh, or is he really like that game in and game out, regardless of whether it's the biggest smackdown of your most uh, biggest rival. You know, he, if you're talking about Zach specifically, absolutely laser focused each week really does uh, attack the game. Like many of his teammates, I'm sure some of his teammates needed and himself, uh, of course, needed to have that hammered into them week to week to week to actually have that be muscle memory and to be the focus every week and to have that, you know, that kind of expectation and in your preparation and accountability amongst all the teammates, right? It's a much bigger thing than one and oh each week, right? It's a process that is very detailed. Uh, it starts with meetings and watching film and then executing at practice. And then of course, coming, coming to game day and executing as well. But there's a certain thing about Zach that, that, you know, you, you, you kind of hear through the rumblings. I've gotten to, to see a little bit, you know, having covered him for years and um, and just kind of knowing what makes him tick and whatnot, that some games are just a little more personal than others. I mean, he wants to win every single game. He's a gamer. There's no doubt about it. He's going to do everything, um, you know, he can to prepare. And his preparation is just absolutely bananas. I mean, this is a guy that goes home the night before the game and goes through every single play mentally, just like practices it out, you know, and, and just has that discipline and, and passion for the game and passion for studying and, and finding up, you know, ways to beat teams and finding wrinkles and defenses and all those things. But there's certain there's certain games that, you know, you find out or, you know, you hear kind of the the whispers amongst teammates or, you know, people who work for the club that Zach isn't happy and that, you know, he's going to show, you know, he's going to show them a thing or two. And there's been a couple, and this was one of those games, you know, one of those games where, you know, he, he definitely goes about his, his routine exactly the way you'd expect him to, you know, does the same things to media, but there's just something that's lingering that he needs to take care of. And it, this was one of those games BC last year when Nathan Rourke came in with all the hype and everybody was talking about the BC lions being the best team in the CFL and, you know, Rourke getting all the attention and whatnot. And the bombers, you know, delivered a beat down led by, by Calaris. It was, you know, so there's a couple games where, while I don't think it's necessarily different in his approach, just maybe that inner fire is burning a little bit deeper. And I think he was, he was clearly, clearly livid after after the Labor Day Classic, and and again the, the Pete Robertson helmet helmet attack was was obviously top of mind and uh, top of conversation. But I just really think he was frustrated that you know he didn't get that two point convert. That as bad as they played, they, they you know still still wasn't enough to win. And um, and I think this week he he was just going to make sure 
whether, you know, single-handedly, I say that, you know, tongue-in-cheek because, again, it takes everybody on the field to, to execute those plays. But I think he was willing to will his team to victory no matter what was the case after a disappointing effort a week before. Jeff, uh, Jeff Hamilton of the Winnipeg Free Press with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk, breaking down the Banjo Bowl bloodbath Saturday afternoon, 51-6 to for the Bombers over the Riders. Um, you know, we were speaking about Brady Oliveira, the season that he's having right now, how he continues to seemingly improve, gain more confidence, um, and continually up his production. I'm not sure if you were in that scrum afterwards. I know Taylor was. Uh, and Taylor asked him, um, you know, something about Andrew Harris and sort of being, you know, compared to Andrew and now, you know, putting up numbers like he did before. And, and Brady was very clear on a number of occasions he'd mentioned more, more, more. What do you make of Oliveira's role, his spot here over the last couple of years in the absence of Andrew Harris with all the incredible things that Andrew did and how that seems to be a bar for Brady to push through with the season that he's having right now and really sort of create um, his own legacy as one of the great homegrown players that the Winnipeg Blue Bombers have had. Yeah. So to answer your first question, yeah, I was in that scrum, and he didn't uh, he didn't uh, mince words when he was saying more. And by more, he was saying that he's going to do more than Andrew Harris did at his time, um, you know, in his career, and that he plans to crush his records. That's 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 not a, out of disrespect. That's out of the ultimate respect. I don't think Brady Oliveira has a disrespectful bone in his body. Um, you know, he, he obviously appreciates what Andrew Harris has done in this league and this sit for the city and, and certainly for, for the team he currently plays for, but Andrew Harris isn't even in his mind. I mean, with all due respect, I mean, this kid's 26 years old. He thinks, he, you know, if he, if he's playing for the next 10 years at the clip that he's playing, I don't think we're, you know, I think he's eclipsing Andrew Harris's records. Is that premature to say after, you know, his second year as a starter? Yeah, probably because there's lots of things that Andrew was able to do in his career, like, you know, maintain his body and health and all those things and whatnot to come week to week. That will be Brady Oliveira's challenge, obviously, as he, he, as he, while he doesn't love the comparisons, has a lot of comparable, you know, style in his game. He's a very punishing Northwest player, right? He's not afraid to contact. He, he you know, he can take one, two, three hits as we saw last game, you know, last couple games, even, even when, even in the Labor Day classic, I mean, he was, he was doing his best to, to get things done. And, um, and really, I just think the, you know, this, the sky's the limit for this guy. I mean, I, I, I've been high on Brady Oliveira for a long time. You, you, you know, that attitude of more, more, more. That attitude existed in 2019 when he was the backup. You know, I remember talking to him at, at Grey Cup in in, uh, in Calgary. And, you know, he just, you know, as, as obviously and, and rightfully so, Andrew was, you know, the guy that was, was in the place. Obviously, you know, Brady was injured that year. And then again in 2021 at the Grey Cup, right? I mean, this was, this was, this was now years later, including a whole year off of, of, uh, of COVID, he was ready to, to take over the torch. And, you know, even at that great cup in 21, it was, you know, I want this, this is, this is, it's, you know, it's my time here. And of course, you know, they couldn't get the job done in 2022, but he's wanted, he's wanted that role and, and he's wanted that um, responsibility for, for really ever since he got here, he certainly has the confidence he's learning, you know, he's learning to become a pro. We hear that in every, every sport, he's learning how to manage his body. He's learning how to, you know, work around, work behind an O-line that is, you know, made Andrew Harris a very good player in this league. And, and, you, and you're seeing that maturity play out. I mean, you remember last season, how slow a start he had, 
you know, a lot of people were talking about Johnny Augustine needs to start for a team. No disrespect to Johnny Augustine, but they're not even in the same conversation and weren't really then and certainly aren't now. Um, but, but, you know, this is a guy who just wasn't true to himself early last season. And then when he got a little more true to himself, put on, put on some of that weight back, and then we cut weight before and tried to add weight. He was just trying to find the perfect mix. Uh, and I think he's found that. And he's certainly, he's certainly just a beast now. And that comfort, you know, when you get that comfort, you get that confidence that I'd argue he's always had. And then you, you, you get that chemistry with a, with, with a, with a you know, powerful and, and nasty offensive line that the Bombers have. You start, you start, seeing, the, you start seeing the plays slow down. You know, you often hear from players who, who are doing special things. The play slows down for him. I think that's exactly what's happening with Brady Oliveira. And, you know, again, um, you know, Hoping he can stay healthy, it'll be very, very, very interesting to see what kind of damage he can do by season's end and what kind of conversations he's in. Because right now, he's entering that conversation, certainly as top Canadian in the CFL. He's got to be part of a conversation now that if he continues this clip, why he shouldn't be considered as perhaps maybe even the MOP fighting with a guy like Zach Kolaris and Chad Kelly and others around the league. Um, Hammer, it's so easy to just you know spend the entire show gushing over the offense. And uh, Remo had a hilarious line earlier. The best way to handle a bad <clears throat> or a weaker punt coverage team is to just never punt. Yeah, exactly. Which they did. But, um, you know, even though the Stars sort of were on offense, man, the defense played lights out. And, I mean, Kyrie Wilson was everywhere. Willie, Adam Big Hill, the usual suspects. But a healthy Jackson Jeff code is such a game changer on the other side of that line. And, um, you know, he was everywhere. It seemed on Saturday afternoon. Oh, he's so nasty, man. I mean, and he's, uh, he's a guy that you wonder how much, how many years left he's had. He's obviously battled injuries over the last few seasons, including earlier this season, but he's just, when he's in the lineup, he makes everybody better. He makes Willie Jefferson even better than he is. He makes guys like Adam Big Hill even, you know, even better because he's just putting so much pressure on that line. I mean, you saw the, you saw what he's capable of doing when he gets through that strip sack and then recovering and one of two, two turnovers. That really was the big difference between the last couple of weeks was the Bombers, you know, I don't think they played all that bad. I mean, you, you know, 32 points against isn't great, obviously, in the Labor Day Classic, but they limited them to five field goals to, compared to two touchdowns and, and really just, you know, just didn't have that game-changing turnover. That, that, that really is the difference in a lot of ways, and you saw that. Well, it wasn't, you know, didn't necessarily wasn't game changing. I think the offense took care of that pretty early on. But having that turnover on downs to to kind of start the turnover party and then then Jackson Jeff goes strip sack. It's just I've been saying this for a long time. I wrote it in my five takeaways is the offense doesn't even need to be as dynamic as it was, um, you know, on, on Saturday to, to have a great defensive effort, you know, to have a, you know, a six point effort to shut teams out in the second half. They just need to move the chains long, you know, long enough that you give your defense a rest. We've seen that all season long that this defense is capable of dictating games when the, you know, when when the offense is playing good football. And so it's it's those it's those games where you know the BC game where you know things kind of you, you couldn't really get things going on offense. A bunch of two and outs. You weren't you weren't generating. You weren't moving the chains, and therefore the defense was you know hung on as long as they could until it was just you know they were on the field too long. If the if the Bombers defense gets an opportunity to dictate games, they will. And that opportunity comes with, again, moving the chains and, and having an offense that can put up some points, even if it's not six straight touchdowns as we saw on Saturday. Um, you know, they've got a bye week next week, but they do have this road game in the hammer on Saturday. And this, to be honest, Jeff, and I know this 
may sound crazy considering we've just been spending the last hour lauding them for as good of a performance as we've seen before. But um, I think this is going to be a challenge for them just to kind of keep up that level of focus and intensity that they certainly had on Saturday. I mean, we remember them going to Hamilton last year and getting absolutely torched um, and, and losing that football game. Um, what do you uh, listen? They're going to take a couple days off. Of course, they're going to get back to practice, but how, um, how challenging will it be to stay at that level that they were at in the banjo bowl, heading out onto the road, playing against a team towards the bottom of the standings, knowing that as soon as that final buzzer goes, these guys have got a big and well-earned week off. Yeah, I think the Bombers go into Tim Horton's field and crush him. Like, I, I, I don't think that it's going to be a problem. I don't think it's going to be a, oh, look, we have a week off here coming up, as you get in a lot of instances with teams that maybe have, maybe have, already, maybe have already a couple hours into their vacation before, you know, before they're really there. And, you know, it can cost them the, the week before. They take it lightly or they're, you know, they have travel plans, all these things they have to do in the week leading up. Those are all very much distractions. There's no doubt about it. Um, just with this team, I just, I just don't see it. I just don't see the... Um, you know, I, these guys don't even really go home. You know what I mean? Like everyone really stays here and works out and watches film and, and prepares. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some guys with families that go home. I know the first one, the first bye week over the summer, that was an opportunity for some guys to, to, you know, get cabins and all those things and, you know, go out and, you know, take a break from football. And that really is the asset in, in, in bye weeks for this team is that it's just such a grueling process that one and oh each week that, you know, that, the, the, the stuff that goes into to you know achieving that goal it's just it is an exhausting exercise so even just to be away from football for a few days would be a you know a massive break um, but I just don't see it and, and I mean it's not just that you know I, I, I totally understand your point and I think it's valid I mean last last season the the bombers went into Hamilton and, and got their asses handed to them Dane Evans had the best game of his career in our and and easily what was one of his worst seasons of his career too so you know I think that certainly played a role and uh, Brandon Alexander came back that game, you, you might recall. So, you know, it was his first game back from his torn ACL. So he wasn't, you know, he wasn't fully, fully ready probably in that game. I just, this one, Hamilton is, I don't know what the deal with Hamilton is, but man, are they garbage. And I just, I just can't see a, you know, a Bombers team that's been so razor focused and has been reminded a couple times this season already, right? I mean, let's, let's, let, you know, they, the last time they suffered a third loss in a season, you know, go back the last few years, that was a nothing game. If, if it even resulted in a, you know, a third loss. So this is a team that I think is, you know, is, is, is wanting to play its best football heading into the playoffs. I don't see them peaking here in this, in this, uh, in this tangible full game. I see them rolling right through and then enjoying their, their full week off against, uh, but before that playing against a team that, you know, look, I don't, I don't see Taylor Powell, you know, rising from the ashes here, even though they were able they you know, impressive win last week on a short, short week, right? That was, that's certainly, you know, you got to give them credit. Ottawa truly is the worst team in the CFL, in my opinion now. Um, but I just don't think Hamilton has the, the cats, if you will, to, uh, to, to outclass this Bombers club. No, I, I'm with you on that as well. We've just seen this team. I mean, the second half of the Ottawa game was sort of over and then it wasn't. Um, and then a few starts against teams, they probably should have been up more. I mean, the Edmonton game at home, but maybe those are things that they've sort of learned their lessons, if you will. And I mean, I think this team continues to build on every game and certainly the big wins like they did against Saskatchewan on the weekend. Jeff Hamilton is with us. Um, 
Let's talk a little NFL here. We've got a guest coming up in about 10 minutes, but wanted to get your uh, your take on uh, a bunch of different ways we can go. For me, game of the day <clears throat> was that game between the Chargers and the Dolphins. And the Chargers are just incredible. Like somehow, like no matter what, they just find a way to come up just a little bit short. Um, hell of a hell of a game to watch though at that time. And you know, the other games in and around, well, that Philly New England game was actually pretty interesting. Um, mm-hmm. Philly did not look good. They looked like a team that hadn't played any of their starters throughout the entire preseason. And Nick Sariani talked about that. Um, right. And then the other late game, which was really interesting, was a hell of a performance from the Green Bay Packers in Chicago, just routing the Bears and completely owning the second half of that game. Um, but, you know, uh, of those, was they, were you mostly glued to that Miami Charger game because of everything else that may have been riding on it? Or did you take a look at some of those other late games? No, I, I took a look at all the games. I mean, I, I thought, you know, I, I, I'm proud of myself on my Pick'em Leagues, at least, that, uh, that I, 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 I was hard on, on Green Bay. I thought they were going to do well. I thought the, the Bucks were going to be another upset. Um, you know, it, week one is so fascinating to me. Like, I don't know how much research you do leading into weeks, but week one's just, I mean, these guys, you know, these podcasts you've been listening to for weeks, months, have been essentially doing the work for months to, to, to you know, to try to figure out an edge for this first week. And I, I definitely was with a lot of, a lot of people who said, I thought the, I thought the Bengals, they're always trash when they go into Cleveland, you know, and, yeah. and I thought the Browns certainly, certainly, you know, that one was quite obvious. I, the Vikes to me, again, like I just thought, you know, they were going to crap the bed and sure enough, they did against the Bucks team that who knows, man, maybe they are decent. Maybe they are, maybe they do have a good enough D. Um, there were some other ones that like, you know, I, I really did enjoy, you know, I, I enjoyed the Raiders game, man. I mean, Broncos are not, you know, a lot of talk in the off season about the Broncos being a better club and Russell Wilson, you know, losing his office, but and, you know, with the executives and not having his, his entourage and whatever. I thought the Raiders squeezing that one out was massive, but I certainly was not glued just because of the financial aspects to it. It was just a game where like, I was just dumbfounded with the chargers, man. Like it was just, these guys were just kept scoring points. The five lead changes in the second half. It's like, those are the games you want to watch. I felt like the Eagles and Patriots was more of a chess match. I thought the Patriots gave up, a, you know, some opportunities that they could have had to win, but the Eagles, you know, stood strong, but that Dolphins and Chargers game, man. I mean, how else, you know, what else were you really wanting to watch in their early games? But um, yeah, other than that. You know what? I mean, speaking of those, like that late window slate, and we kind of touched on the games. Yeah. Maybe like, okay, I'm going to take the Giants out of this because they, they didn't even get to start that game. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys just absolutely crushed them. And I know the Cowboy fans like GFL are all fired up in chat as they should be. Their defense looks amazing. The Seattle Seahawks could not have looked any worse. In the second half against the Rams, they had four minutes and 55 seconds of ball possession. Um, We talked about that. That was, and listen, I fell for it. I thought that Seattle clearly in another level than the Rams at home. Um, But I did say, the spidey senses are tingling. Why is this line only only four, four and a half? Something doesn't make mm-hmm. sense. Well, it makes sense now. Um, what a brutal start to the season 
for the Seahawks. And like, I'm still not sure like the Rams are really good and are just surprising people. I'm not sure we might just have a, uh, and again, you don't want to take too much from one game, but there was a lot expected of the Seahawks this year. Many people thought that they were legitimately going to challenge San Francisco for the NFC West. Uh, they look like they're in different weight classes after what the Niners did to the Steelers in Pittsburgh and the way the uh, Rams came in and uh, walked out of Seattle with the, uh, with a victory. Well, the Seahawks look like the Geno Smith-led team they did at the end of the season, right? I mean, last year. So, like, I think that was the the read-up on them was I, I was still buying into Geno Smith. I, I Not enough. I resisted him as a strategy for a quarterback in fantasy. And through week one, I'm glad I did. Um, but, yeah, it's just I, I was going to ask you. I'm glad you touched on it. Like, I'm not even sold on the Rams. You know, like, I'm not, you oh, know. No. Like, I just, I don't, you know, like, I mean, I'm not sold on a lot of things in week one. I think that's the, you know, certainly the the lessons you learn year to year is that week one's the biggest crapshoot out there as far as predicting and projecting and, and whatnot. But um, certainly there were some younger quarterbacks that played better than, than I expected, that a lot of people expected. But, you, you know, you thought that Seattle would be, I don't know, man, they were just, they look like they got some problems. The the Broncos, another team that, that I think a lot of people were high on, they look like they got some problems they need to figure out as well. And it's just, yeah, it's certainly an interesting interesting week one. But um, The Broncos need to score points. Listen, I mean, I'm a Chiefs guy, so I'm always hoping they lose. And it was hilarious seeing, you know, those two teams go at each other. I'm like, I didn't really care who won. Um, but it's the Raiders that have sole possession of first in the AFC West right now, as the Chargers, Chiefs, and Broncos all take L's. But here's the thing that's got to be so frustrating for Bronco fans. You pay all this money and you trade what you did to get Russell Wilson, assuming that that's going to be what makes the offense the driving force. Their defense is still amazing. If they had yeah. just put up 20 points a game last year, they would have won 10. They would be 1-0 right now if they could get to 20. I mean... 16 points doesn't win in the National Football League. And I, I think Sean Payton should be the guy to get a heck of a lot more out of that offense. But I got to tell you, there's some legit pressure, I think, on Russ to get this going and get it going soon. Or who knows? It's not inconceivable that Peyton, like Russell Wilson wasn't Payton's guy. So mm. if, he, if he's got a crush on Jarrett Stidham, who has had some some NFL experience behind him, I mean, at some point we could see him. But... Bottom line, their defense is great. They continue to step up even after they traded Bradley Chubb. Totally. But, uh, I mean, you just don't win if you're putting one touchdown in and kicking three field goals. I think Russell Wilson's leash obviously would be a lot shorter if not for the massive commitment that they have to him. Yeah. But I don't think he has much long, you know, long of leash. I don't think he was horrendous. I definitely saw signs of him being much better in that game. I mean, he wasn't good. Um, but you're right. I mean, it comes down to – I mean – whether it's the CFL or NFL, if you're if you're kicking field goals um, rather than scoring touchdowns, and you're putting up, as you said, 16 points, it's not enough in this league. Uh, if your defense can limit a team to 16 points, then you're winning more often than not. Unless, of course, it's a Pittsburgh Cleveland game, um, 16 points might be an all-time high in that one combined. But um, yeah, it's a I, I I try not to, and I've already been listening to hours and hours of podcasts since the end of end of the games yesterday i try not to buy into trends into data points from week one uh because things do get figured out over time people do you know 
defenses that didn't look as good look better against other de- other offenses and and you know performances and I just think that I mean we can go we we could talk for hours and and I'm sure you're going to get into it with your next guest but even Atlanta I mean how many times are they are they just not going to throw the ball or you know like are they <laughs> not when they're bad. running it like that uh, well of course <laughs> but I just feel like you know I feel bad for the Drake London uh, fantasy fantasy oh, yeah. managers <laughs> totally. out there I just it just feels like another one of those years and I got and I was so reluctant to take Kyle Pitts and I'm not saying that it's not going to be a good season for him or whatever but certainly do not have the good feelings uh, outside of that one one catch he had um, with this offense it seems you know happy but uh it's uh it's again you know i'm i'm so happy to even have these conversations it was an exciting day regardless of of uh you know expectations on some teams and others but uh certainly happy to have nfl back weekly yeah it was a hell of a weekend and next week um you know we'll certainly dive into bombers in hamilton nfl uh but we'll be uh, just days from training camp for the winnipeg jets some interesting reports last week on the jets and of course the mm. retirement of captain andrew ladd which Remo and I are going to get to a little bit later on. But the Hammer, enjoy some days off. Maybe we'll have to uh, tilt a couple for one of these games coming up while you've got some time off. Let's uh, let's make that happen. Thanks for doing this as always. Absolutely, my friend. Look forward to it. Thanks a lot. Oh, great stuff. There's Jeff Hamilton. Uh, yeah, we got a great NFL segment coming up in just a second. Have to thank our friends at Princess Auto. And who was that Princess Auto tailgate zone? Crazy before the Banjo Bowl on Saturday. Of course, Princess Auto, proud sponsors of the Bombers and the place where you'll find the best deals on the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the project on your list or start something new at Princess Auto. Visit them online or in-store today, and Princess Auto will help you make it work. Our gang at Consolidated Supply is uh, continuing to finish up a very busy summer and head into the fall with so many things they can help you and your company with. They're the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, golf carts as the exclusive club car dealer in Manitoba, and other great options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchens. And, of course, they're also the leaders in small engine parts and repair. Get on down to Consolidated Supply. Visit them at their showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niaqua Road East, or find out more online at their website at CTE. Dot C-A. Well, it was Banjo Bowl weekend last weekend. The big party next weekend is probably going to be at the Royal Sports Tent Sale. You know Royal Sports, the biggest and best sports store around. 40 years in business, the hockey superstore in Manitoba. All 32 NFL teams represented. Bomber gear, jet skier, and more. Biggest savings of the year in the tent starting on Saturday Make a point to getting down to Royal Sports for all those great deals at their annual September 10th sale. And just before we talk NFL, big Monday nighter tonight. Best place to get together with the big with your friends for the big game is always your local Boston Pizza. Bills Jets tonight. Ice cold schooners, world famous BP wings, gourmet pizzas, and the latest from the Boston Pizza feature menu. All they're waiting for you for the first Monday nighter of the year. Staying in, you can always order online at bostonpizza.com. All right, what a treat it is to welcome in former NFL and VEASAN NFL analyst Mike Pritchard to break down week one of the National Football League. Mike, thanks so much for doing this. It's great to have you on WST. Oh, it's my pleasure. How are you doing today? Uh, you know what? I'm doing great. I'm a Chiefs guy, so I had my disappointment on Thursday <laughs> night 
And then everything actually went great on the weekend. I enjoyed the games. I didn't have the stress of my team plan. Winnipeg Blue Bombers beat the hell out of their biggest rival in the Banjo Bowl on Saturday. So we were uh, we were in good spirits. But, man, it was fun to see just to get back to that first full week of, uh, of the NFL Sunday slate. Let me just quickly ask you about Thursday night for a minute. Um, what did you think of the Lions overall? Because they did come into that game with a lot of expectations, and they won, but it was the way they won that I think was a little bit confusing. And I guess part two of that, how does Kadarius, how does Kadarius Tony move past that game? Because as was told to me, about 50 times over the course of the weekend, if he had just played DB and just batted down every ball that was thrown at him, the Chiefs win that football game. Yeah, 100%. I mean, first of all, Tony has to stay out of social media. Uh, For whatever reason, he's distracted by his past, and that's affecting his future right now. Yeah, we had a saying when I was a player, stay out the crowd. Uh, because there's never anything good to focus on in the crowd. You know, if you won the game and the game's almost over, okay, now you can interact people with, with people. But uh, if you're trying to focus on winning a football game, you got to focus on the field. And uh, I think uh, Tony right now probably distracted. Lack, lack of confidence, too. Uh, he's just going to have to work through it. He's got the best quarterback in the National Football League to help him out. Uh, I think Travis Kelsey, once he returns – uh, that'll take the pressure off everybody else to be like a number one type receiver. Uh, so uh, Travis Kelsey will relieve a lot of people of that pressure. And, you know, we, we've all been through it, uh, succumbing to it at times, but you're a professional athlete uh, and you're supposed to be different, right? Uh, so I think he'll get better from here. Uh, certainly that showing on Thursday night was not what anybody expected uh, and certainly what, what not what Tony wants to have, uh, you know, be a part of his career moving forward. Uh, what about the Lions? You buying or selling them? You know, I I I think I'm buying them to a certain extent. You know that that game, there were so many things that happened in the opening week uh, of the National Football League. So many great unknowns, right? Uh, I love the Lions at plus six and a half. Then you had the Chris Jones situation, which we knew about, and then Travis Kelsey gets hurt, uh, which you know there was some steam that made that spread a little shorter. I didn't chase it. You know, I took the six and a half points. Uh, I I think the Lions are for real. What I saw was more discipline and more conservative nature on defense. No more uh, taking chances, right? Uh, Because they got burnt last year taking chances uh, on that side of the ball. They got a good enough offense in which the defense can kind of keep them in games until the offense gets revved up. The Lions can be special. Uh, they they lack a dynamic uh, uh, aspect or element to their offense, which is the deep throw. Uh, but I, I think once Williams gets back and uh, they implement some other schemes, uh, they'll be okay. That that was just a launching pad for the Lions. So uh, in a roundabout way, I am buying them, but I, I need to see them evolve. I need Jared Goff uh, to turn into a playmaking quarterback as well. Uh, Mike, uh, you know, while we're mentioning the Lions, let's kind of transition into yesterday's action and focus on the NFC North. Um, what a start for the Packers under Jared Jordan Love, and what a disappointing start for the Chicago Bears. Um, and then, meanwhile, you got Baker Mayfield going in and beating the Vikings at home. Um, just thoughts on you know your takeaways from Week One, and I know it's always overreaction Monday after the first week, but certainly seemed like the stock of Green Bay is going up, and uh, those other rivals, specifically Minnesota and Chicago, maybe not where people expected them to be to get things going. 
Yeah, you know, uh, expectations are everywhere. Optimism's everywhere. You know, the thing about Green Bay and Chicago, um, from a divisional standpoint, there was so much familiarity right there, right? So uh, Green Bay has kind of owned that situation. I, I don't know if Chicago's ready uh, to take that leap forward yet. You know, some injuries and and the fact that they haven't been together for enough uh, enough time yet. I, I think as we move through the season, Chicago will get better. They're a young enough team uh, in which they'll get better, uh, and they'll they'll have a better showing next time around. But definitely impressed with the continuation of Green Bay and what they've established, what Matt LaFleur has established as a head coach defensively, uh, going to be okay offensively. They got to stay healthy, though. Uh, I think Jordan Love is okay uh, right now, but we'll, we'll see how they evolve. But divisional matchups, familiarity, uh, that played out. Minnesota uh, against Tampa. You know, Minnesota is going through this transition, even though they're not outwardly saying that. I think Kirk Cousins is in his final year as a quarterback. But the players in the locker room know that, right? Uh, and and it, it has a feel to it that uh, is me first right now at Minnesota. You know, Justin Jefferson, a new contract. Uh, some other players trying to establish themselves with that organization. You know, it's like it's me first as, a, as opposed to a commonality or a common goal and say, let's make the playoffs and then let's try to win the Super Bowl. I don't, I don't think that's going on in Minnesota right now. Mike Prichard with us from VEASAN talking week one NFLs. And I do want to ask you about this Monday nighter and get your thoughts on it for a minute. But I mean, Mike, you had a great NFL career. I'm interested in your thoughts on your former teams. Uh, we see that Falcons jersey in the background. Um, a very, I mean, an exciting offense on paper. Um, you've got B. John Robinson, the uh, the number one pick. People forgot Tyler Algier was a thousand yard rusher last no. season. No. Drake London. Um, listen, they got the win, but um, is, is this a team? Like I kind of like preseason game. Full disclosure, I picked the Falcons to make the playoffs because partly weak division, and when you look at their schedule, I mean there are so many winnable games, but. What were your takeaways from this team? They got the win in the division. Nice start. Um, but will this team be, will they be a tough out when they're playing better teams this year in the NFL? Well, I, I don't know if the Falcons have defined themselves. I mean, they got so many weapons. I don't know if Kyle Pitts is a, uh, is, is fully returned or fully healthy. Uh, we'll have to wait and see on that. London's got to be more implemented into the offense. But uh, it, it's like, that's a luxury right now, I think, for Arthur Smith, the head coach who's calling plays. He's trying to get Ritter up to speed. He's trying to make sure that Ritter is not going to make mistakes, critical mistakes that cost them a game because they have so many weapons on that side of the ball, uh, and they got to involve everybody that way. Defensively, you know, at Atlanta is a veteran a group, a prideful group, and, and they're going to hold them in some games. And like you mentioned, uh, I think that division, as long as they play solid defense and not beat themselves – they're going to be in every single game and a chance to win that division, right? Worst to first situation uh, in that division. But it's all about the evolution of this offense and all of these weapons that Arthur Smith has to deal with and how he's going to distribute the football. If they can figure that out, yes, I, I think Atlanta uh, can make one of those runs. Now, it might take a while, right? Uh, they're still a young team. They still have a quarterback that's trying to find his way through it. He started a number of games last year. Uh, has the pressure of starting this year. Uh, but, yeah, once they figure it out, I, I think it could be special down there in Atlanta. Which uh, which of your former teams disappointed you more in the late slate? Was it the Seahawks, who I, that was inexplicable. They didn't oh. even have the ball for five minutes in the second half to a team in the Rams, no Cooper Cup. 
Right. And then Denver, and listen, the Denver game was really close. But listen, that's exactly what we saw last year, a defense that always held them in the game and an offense that didn't have the ability to get to 20 and win. I know. Isn't that amazing? With Russell Wilson, you would think the Denver Broncos could get to 20 points. Uh, but they they lack a, a certain element of their offense, too, and that's an explosive nature. You know, when Tim Patrick got hurt, uh, certainly no Jerry Judy either. Jerry Judy coming back uh, sooner than later, I, I believe that's going to happen. Uh, they'll be more explosive. They'll They'll be able to put some more plays in the playbook or in the game plan book for each and every week, each and every Sunday. So I expect that to happen. And then you're right. Defensively, they're solid. Uh, they're going to continue uh, to be dominant and play dominant football on that side of the ball. Now, the team that did disappoint me the most was Seattle. Because I thought they were going to be among the top four teams in the NFC. Because you have San Francisco, you have Dallas, you have the Eagles. And I thought Seattle would slip in there too to be number four. But my goodness, you talk about a team that wasn't ready to play. Uh, and that is not a, a character trait at all from Pete Carroll. Uh, so I know it's a young team, maybe reading some uh, press clippings and maybe getting uh, ahead of their skis, right? Leaning too far over their skis a little bit there. Uh, but they'll settle in. Uh, they'll be coached up. They'll compete uh, each and every week in practice and they'll get better. They, I, I don't know if we'll see another showing like that from Seattle this year. Mike, uh, before we go, and thanks so much for jumping on. It is great to have you on, and uh, we'll uh, you can tee up kind of what you're doing at Veasan just sure. on the way out. But let's talk about this uh, Monday night or tonight. NYC, the new look Jets with Aaron Rodgers taking on a team that really, up until Josh Allen got injured last year, was an absolute juggernaut. Great divisional matchup. I'm seeing the Bills laying two as a two point favorite. Forty-four and a half is the uh, is the number right now. Uh, what are your uh, what are your leans for Monday Night Football? Well, you would love to have the Jets on a teaser if, if you can complete that teaser right now, because I, I think this is going to go the way of a lot of divisional games that we saw, and those those, those tight games with one score games, uh, perhaps decided by a field goal. Uh, so if you could you could have a situation in which you can tease up the Jets and have more points, maybe eight points there. Uh, now you're beyond two possessions, uh, perhaps. So uh, I, I think it, it's it's one of those matchups in which the defense for the Jets, they have to get after a one-dimensional Josh Allen because I don't know if Buffalo can run the football uh, as successfully uh, as they need to uh, at this point. We'll see. I, I think they're going to try to run the football against the Jets. But if the Jets can go up and match up very, very well against a one-dimensional offense, now it gives the Jets time offensively to get into rhythm uh, with a new quarterback, even though this new quarterback's a Hall of Famer, uh, it's still a new quarterback in the live situation, right? So that could take some time. Um, but I expect them to get it going. I expect them to get it rolling. I like the Jets in the matchup. Um, I certainly lo love them on a teaser situation. Uh, but catching points at home uh, in, an, in an emotionally an emotionally filled building, too, when you consider 9-11. Uh, and I, I think, I, I think there, that emotion will be on the side of the Jets and uh, certainly, you know, Buffalo, Northern New York, uh, everybody's going to feel it, the emotion of the moment. But something tells me the Jets will get it done defensively mm -hmm. to keep them in the game and perhaps win this one, win this matchup. You know, one more just a prop question for you. And I mean, obviously doing what you're doing now, you're involved in the industry. But, you know, as a player, you know what happens for a receiver, for instance, a number one receiver goes up against one of the elite true lockdown corners. You've got... Sauce Gardner on the other side. 
do you think he focuses on Stefan Diggs? And if that's the question, is there some value in looking at guys like Gabriel Davis, uh, Deontay Hardy, um, and even the rookie Dalton Kincaid when it comes to, because I, mean, I think Josh Allen's always going to be throwing the football. If it's right. harder to get to digs, I think there might be a nice little uh, spot on a few of those other Buffalo receivers to go over their totals. Yeah, you know, the matchup with Diggs and uh, certainly Sauce Gardner, I mean, if Diggs is on the outside, uh, in particular on their right side, then then I think Sauce has a good chance of matching up with them. But if Diggs is in the inside, you know, now I don't know if the Jets are going to completely change their defense to put Sauce on the inside to just match up with them one-on-one. Sure. Uh, I, I would look for tight ends and running backs from a prop standpoint because, to me, if Sauce is not on Diggs, uh, especially if Diggs is in the slot, if they use motion, then you could see like a like a blanket type of coverage, right? Like a softer coverage where you want to keep everything underneath and and certainly protect yourself from the deep throws on the outside or the deep throws down the middle. Something like Josh Allen really wants to exploit, right? So obviously with that pass rush too, Josh is going to be conscious of throwing the football and getting rid of the football and getting rid of it quickly. So I would focus in on some tight ends, maybe some running backs uh, if you like some props. Uh, from a receiving standpoint, Diggs is going to, if he's on the inside, I, I think Diggs could have one of those type of games because he's, he's talked about being a more involved in the offense all year long, right? Uh, in the off season. He talks so, a lot, period. He talks a lot, period. Uh, so I think Josh Allen is going to listen to that and uh, he's going to have a number of targets. That's for sure. Yeah. You know what? You're right. Now that I think about it, I don't think the jets really moved sauce around. Yeah. very much last year. I mean, they just said, hey, listen, this is a guy, you're there, good luck throwing to that area, and it probably is incumbent on the Bills OC um, and the play callers to uh, try and get those guys away from Sauce Gardner and make it happen. Mike, this has been so much fun having you on the program to kick off the season. Fill people in on what you and the VEASAN team have going on over there as we get into uh, Monday Night Football and obviously then the week leading into week two. Well, I tell you what, I played a decade in the National Football League, and uh, certainly, I know the game of football, but I didn't know sports betting until I associated myself with VEASAN. Uh, we have a number of experts. Uh, you can become a VEASAN Pro subscriber, uh, which opens up the world uh, of information that we have here at VEASAN. Uh, you can get to VEASAN.com slash subscribe for that information. Uh, you get some bonuses, some perks as well. Uh, we have so many great handicappers, and that's actually flattened my learning curve uh, when it comes to sports betting. Uh, so I, I'm confident. Now when I make bets, uh, and certainly with my knowledge, uh, combining that with the knowledge of, of our seasoned veterans uh, or our seasoned handicappers for sure, that has enhanced my pleasure in terms of, uh, of being successful with betting. So uh, I encourage everybody out there to get to vcin.com, slash subscribe, become a vcin pro subscriber, uh, and start to enjoy your bets uh, as much as I am right now. Yeah, we're lucky. We've got some of the VEASAN programming in the morning here in Canada, north of the border on uh, one of the channels as well. So we're kind of staying on top, but... Uh, Vegas Sports Information Network is definitely where it's at as we get into NFL season. Mike, hopefully we can do this again sometime this season. Really enjoyed having you on. Sounds great to me. It's my pleasure to be with you today. Thank you very much. There it is. Longtime NFLer Mike Pritchard now with VEASAN. Former uh, great career. I mean, I was a little younger, but I do remember playing for the Falcons. couple seasons with Denver. And then his final four seasons with the Seattle Seahawks. 
a career high 77 catches in 92, 74 in 93, just short of a thousand yards for a season, and uh, now part of the Vizen team. So, really do appreciate him joining us today on the show. Um, <clears throat> hey, saw a lot of little brown jugs consumed at the game. God, it's nice to have a couple of other beer options at Investors Group Field right now. And of course, if you get the opportunity to get the regular stuff or 1919, uh, you know what the, the smart move is. Of course, Winnipeg's favorite local beer, Little Brown Jug. And uh, I actually, I mentioned I popped by over to Confusion and saw the uh, end of the Chris Streveler event. Um, great to have a few generics at one of my favorite local bars as well. Um, listen, if you're out and about, Ask for Winnipeg's best Little Brown Jug. And, of course, maybe the best place to do that is down at Little Brown Jug, where we're going to be on Wednesday. Thank you to everybody that bought tickets for the Sports Trivia Night. Lots of questions are being put together over the next couple days, and we will see you 7 p.m. on Wednesday. Again, it's sold out very, very quickly. So shout out to everyone that supported it, and we'll look forward to seeing you over at Little Brown Jug on Wednesday night. I cannot wait for it. Um, we are counting down. What did, we got a couple weeks till the Ryder Cup. Cannot wait for that. Uh, but we got a few more weeks of uh, some nice golf and some nice weather to golf right now, too. If you're thinking about a great home for you and your family on Winnow Manitoba's top private courses, now's the time to talk to Corey Johnson or get over to breezybend.ca about getting on the Breezy Bend waiting list for the 2024 season course has never looked better two brand new greens uh, opened up just in the last month or so ready for next year and uh, great men's women's junior programs as well breezy bend really doesn't have it all find out more at breezybend.ca and of course a big shout out to our friends at Aikens lake who are just finishing up their season um if you are thinking about a world-class fly-in fishing chance to uh Get out there where you can be on the water in less than two hours from the city of Winnipeg. Aikens is the spot. Incredible fishing and even better hospitality at the one-of-the-kind Aikens uh, Aikens Lake Lodge. Find out about the Aikens experience online at AikensLake.ca. And, uh, of course, you can hit them up on X as well at Aikens Lake and uh, have any questions for you to our pal Pitt Turen. All right, let's get Michael Remus back in here and... Remo, awesome to have a former NFLer on the program today. Really enjoyed that chat with Mike Pritchard, breaking down uh, all of his observations from a wild week one in the NFL. Yeah, it was great. Show to Andy McNamara, standing that up with Mike. Great setup there with the jerseys in the background, the headset, and good Mike, he, good Mike. Yeah, I mean, he was it was awesome. So uh, cool to hear his insight on the NFL. A lot of overreaction about week one, but it is not over. We do have Monday Night Football tonight. Hopefully, it'll be better than Sunday Night Football, unless, you know, in terms of competitive play. I mean, what was that yesterday? But I'm looking forward to seeing Aaron Rodgers in a Jets uniform, hopefully losing. Uh, this yeah, one I, I'm gonna, we'll get to that line in a minute. Um, but you know what? All things considered, because of how wild a weekend it was, uh, it was actually great that that game was over at halftime. Yeah. Because it allowed me to detach from it, get something to eat, and prepare to get back to reality the next day with shows 
and work to do like many others as well. So, um, yeah, that one didn't keep people tuned in right until the end. Um, but let's get to this game tonight. Same stadium. <laughs> tonight, MetLife, the Jets, and the Bills. The Bills, two-point favorites on the road. Total is 44 and a half. I like the Bills tonight, Reem. I think they are still um, the measuring stick in the AFC East. I think the Jets will be better, but I think the Bills are already there as a team. And uh, I don't know, two points. Normally, I do like to hit on home dogs. We did with Cleveland yesterday, although we did with Pittsburgh as well. They disappointed us. Um, but I'm leaning on the two. Minus two for the Bills. Win by a field goal. I do think there's going to be some points in this game. I'm a little surprised the total is as low as it is at 44 and a half. Uh, and again, maybe this is just like the Ram the Ram Seahawks game. We're like, why is that number so low? It doesn't seem right. Well, maybe we're missing something here, but I think I am gonna lean on the over and on the Bills minus two tonight. What uh, what are you thinking about this one? Yeah. Oh, it's minus two for yeah. the Bills. Yeah. Yeah, I'm. T- I would take the Bills on that. Josh Allen, they're they're back. So uh, I'm curious uh, if they'll get over the hump. This year in the AFC. So, yes, I'm on. I always take the Bills. Um, do the Jets be favored? Really? Or, sorry, they're not favored. It's only no, two. No, the Bills are favored by two. Yeah, yeah, my bad. I can't read. But, yes, Minus still take 132 the on the money line for the Bills, plus 121 for the Jets. And I am just looking at these receiving props. Um, you know, I'm not sure what, what digs will be. Although, I mean, Mike just kind of laid it out. I mean, they will probably will move digs into the inside and try and get him away from Sauce Gardner and grab him some opportunities. I think I might touch that Dalton Kincaid, the rookie. He's going to be making his NFL debut tonight. We've already seen Laporta and um, the, uh, the kid in Green Bay, uh, Luke. His last name escapes me. Um, I think he had like 50 yards yesterday. So nice starts for those guys. Um, the, this was thought to be one of the best tight end classes ever. And, uh, I mean, 26 and a half for a player like Kincaid. I, uh, I, I'm i going to jump on the over on that one as well. Gabe Davis is up now 45 and a half. And this one's interesting. Deontay Hardy, who is the third receiver. Um, the total is only 18 and a half, and it's plus 106. Might might have a little touch on that, but anyways, that's uh, that's your your lines for Cool Bet tonight. And again, if you haven't played a Cool Bet before, use the promo code WST. You'll get a one hundred percent bonus up to two hundred bucks on your first deposit. And shout out to all the Cool Betters who took advantage of that reload bonus. It got us an extra fifty bucks last night. Oh, and by the way, great week for the lock shop to start it off. Listen. Uh, we both had our parlays on Thursday. Only one could win. Dusty's did win at like plus 625. I banged off a plus 650 winner yesterday with the ride with Huss, with Huss exclusive. And Dusty had four games teased and pulled off a plus 195 or so. Uh, two and two with our regular best bets. But man, the exclusives were, uh, were awesome. So uh, Dusty's got one up for tonight, actually. Let me just pull this one up. The ride with Dusty. Aaron Rodgers, two passing touchdowns, a Josh Allen rushing touchdown, Garrett Wilson, five-plus receptions, and the Bills, two or more team touchdowns. That one is at 690. 
Uh, I think it opened at about 7.30 earlier on. So uh, that's in the exclusives as well. All over at CoolBet. And don't forget the lock shop now live weekly or every weekday, noon Winnipeg time. Right now it's over on the Edmonton Sports Talk feed. Um, we'll look forward to uh, hopefully kind of firing that up live on the Winnipeg Sports Talk feed as well, leading into the lock, leading into Winnipeg Sports Talk in the uh, in the coming weeks. Remo, uh, we can't forget about the track tonight. The uh, the ponies are back. Yeah, I'm just finalizing my picks here, and we never touched about our picks um, from the last day of live racing. That was the Wednesday. I had a really big hit actually. Two dollars. Oh, did you? Yeah, well, I had one. Okay, I did one, like chalk triactor box, which didn't pay any. Paid four dollars and thirty five cents on, you know, six dollars to box it. But I did have one big hit, two dollars, on this horse to win. It was a long shot. Catch the dream. Started at twelve to one, finished at eight to one, and it won. So my two dollar bet paid eighteen sixty. So that was a nice, Nicely nice win done. for me. I haven't had anything like huge. I got started off hot. And I've just basically been uh, treading water here. So I'm trying to get Well, back these are on big the ones. I've got mine in. You know, before we do that, though, let's quickly touch on Andrew Ladd. I know we've had so much uh, football to talk about that sort of banjo bowl and that NFL dominating. But over the weekend, there was a, a nice announcement by Jets 2.0 initial captain Andrew Ladd, who... Um, spoke glowingly about all the places that he went, people that he worked with, fans. Certainly mentioned in particular the return of the uh, the team to Winnipeg and being a part of that. And uh, listen, it, it it was really too bad to see the way Lad struggled in those final few years of his career. Certainly, he wasn't struggling financially with the contract that he signed with the New York Islanders um, on July first and what was it, twenty sixteen, but. Um, you know, not playing much, going to the minors, getting sent to the Coyotes. It wasn't a great way, but when you look at the entire body of work of Andrew Ladd about, you know, being here in Winnipeg at such a special time, winning a Stanley Cup with the Blackhawks, his time in Carolina, um, pretty great career for uh, someone that will always be associated with the Winnipeg Jets, wearing that C in the first year of the club. Yeah, first captain ever, and... I mean, he wasn't the flashiest player, but he had a nose for the net. Uh, he didn't. His guy didn't take shifts off, and he played uh, almost every game. Barely missed any time. I remember he had those two black eyes uh, in the first year and uh, toughed it out. Didn't have any uh, thirty goal seasons. He had a twenty eight goal season. Uh, career high was or yeah, career high season was in fourteen, fifteen, twenty four goals, thirty eight assists, sixty two points, and. Um, there was, you know, that his final season here, you know, it's kind of, we've talked about it a bit, how it's kind of similar now with Shafley and Hellebuck as UFAs. It was Ladd and Dustin Bufflin as UFAs. And the whole conversation was, well, who are they going to sign? What are they going to do? And the rumor was that they had that contract offer to Ladd and I don't, and he didn't accept it. And they ended up signing Dustin Bufflin. Worked out really well for the Jets. Worked out well for Ladd too. Got that converse, got that contract with the Islanders, but wasn't really, able to stay healthy and, um, you know, didn't really play much. And I saw a lot of people in chat wondering if he hadn't already retired, but I just saw that announcement from him. And I'm thinking about the other guys who retired this summer. Uh, Michael Delzato also announcing over the weekend, Carl Haglin and Jonas Donsko. And I was like, man, this is today's sign 
That we're getting old, Hus. Old Andrew dudes, Ladd man. retiring? Didn't the Jets just come back? What's going on here? Oh, no, dud. By the way, hey, shout out to Pat Canuga in the chat. What's up, Pat? Great to see you popping in afterwards. Pat talking about Little Brown Jug. Yes, Wednesday night. Cannot wait to see everybody um, there for that. Um, but yeah, anyways, we'll hopefully get Andrew Ladd on at some point. It'll be real fun to talk to him now that he's you know done his career, hanging him up just about how special that first year was. I'm interested to know uh, what he plans on doing after that. As I said, bank account, not hurting. Um, but this is a guy with a lot of experience, very well respected. Um, would be interested to see if he decides to stay in hockey, maybe go a coaching route, maybe be involved in junior hockey, or if he's one of those guys that just steps away. And to be honest, uh, I think he probably would have a potential future in broadcasting if he decided to go down that road as well. Very, very well-spoken guy. So um, lots of options, I'm sure, for Ladd uh, going into this next phase of life. Yeah, Andrew Ladd, you know, he had a sneaky shot uh, from the point. Always, man, he could bury pucks in front of the net. But I will say some off-ice Andrew Ladd memories, Hess, uh, him winning that car at the Barrett-Jackson auction. One year during the All-Star break. That's And um, he'll be known for a catch and sturgeon also. Uh, those are the off the ice. He always yeah, posts that pictures. that massive fish I, I will definitely never forget. I had never seen one of those fish. No. Until he and Buff and those guys were out doing that, and then we saw it all. I mean, that looked like a prehistoric, like a water dinosaur or something like that. It's crazy, those, those things. things. And I think he does like a charity event. And you know, it's, it's kind of yeah. nice now that we have, you know, we didn't really have... Any Jets 2.0 alumni, but I guess, you know what, Eric Fair and Derek Meach, uh, who, you know, live in the area doing stuff, but you know, maybe they bring Andrew Ladd in, honor him for a night, or some people in chat are saying, do they have a night honoring Ladd, Little, and Wheeler together? Now we'll have to wait. Little still under contract with Arizona, Wheeler, and the Rangers, but I do wonder if they would have, like, the inaugural team anniversary at some point. Uh, I guess Kane still playing, Bogo, Bogo playing, maybe a 20-year anniversary. I don't know, Kane could go yeah. for a while. He was, like, pretty young on that team, so uh, that would be, I'm not that sure would, I imagine Kane, that'll happen down the road. When they send out the invites to everyone, Evander's the one guy that I'm not sure whether he RSVPs that he's attending. Just just a guess, but... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but who knows? And then uh, I did have Patrolman some... Pete. This is yeah. amazing. Andrew Ladd will live on forever in the Facebook marketplace where fake jerseys from 2013 with his name and number will continue to sell for many years to come. Yeah, there's yeah, there's a, there's a lot out there. You can spot them pretty easily. I did look at some numbers. Where does Ladd compare? And this does not include time with the Thrashers because this is how I do it. So all-time Jets 2.0 history. No Thrashers. Seventh in points with 246 in 348 games. 110 goals, that's seventh. 136 assists, that's 10th. And he's 16th in games played. And in Winnipeg NHL history, that's Jets 1.0, 2.0. He would be 24th in points, 17th in goals. And if you, we did talk about, would you, if you're making a Jets all-time team, either, well, Jets 2.0, he's for sure on. But if you're combining both, uh, I th think he would make it. Actually, I'm not sure. We'll have to, I don't know. That would be that'd be a tough one. I, I he's the first captain, so he's gonna have a, I think a big place in, in history. There's a here, special sure. cachet. Yeah, there is a special yeah. cachet. And, and as they say, like you know, in a couple years, when like once Blake is done, mm -hmm. 
that'll be a really cool night. And I don't know, I'm not suggesting like whether all those guys are going into the Jets Hall of Fame like uh, like some others have already been. Wheeler certainly will be there, and he in all likelihood probably is going to be the first one. Um, but, you know, of that group, the two captains and Brian Little, who in a lot of ways I think many people thought was the most underrated, unsung hero of the organization for many years um, and a guy that was such a big part, I, I would have a lot of time for bringing Again, they're not reti- retiring their jerseys. No. Um, so I think you've got a little bit more um, leeway to welcome guys in that might not technically be up for a jersey retirement but certainly deserve to be remembered um and yeah little lad wheeler if you were going to do something uh you know coming out of the the early years of the return of the winnipeg jets 2.0 um i think that'd probably be a heck of a place to start so uh although maybe it's the entire crew like those three guys that came over from atlanta and you got to have buff in that group too though i mean that um the Atlanta Four, if you will. Yeah, it's a tricky one. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure how they, how they view Buff, but yes, we're all big Buff fans here. And Doug Phil does note Im- important note about Andrew Ladd. Yes, great one, Doug. For, first Jets 2.0 bobblehead. I made sure I asked someone uh, to give me that one, and it is still in the packaging box for no one to ever see ever that's what i do with my bobblehead stuff oh and speaking of doug in chat he says maybe now the jets can name well, a new captain please that's coming kirk uh quinn hughes named the captain of the vancouver canucks today and i'm gonna think like i don't like does it matter if we find out today or tomorrow like i think they'll probably do it and in all likelihood have a little bit of a press conference around i don't think it really happens until training camp starts although it could be the day before training camp officially starts. And listen, I don't know who it's going to be. I'm like most of you. We did the why not question of the day. When did we do it? A couple weeks ago. It was neck and, and neck. people were completely, yeah, it was like 48, 47. Um, so I'll tell you what, bonus why not question of the day for not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery. Where are we at right now? This is sort of last call. This is basically is last call for voting on the captain. I'm interested if anything's changed right now. I have seen some people put out that they expect it to be Adam Lowry. I've seen people put it out they expect it to be Josh Morrissey. Um, I still don't really know where I lean on that one, Remo, because honestly, I'd be really happy for either of them if they were at the, the named captain. I think either of the other guys would easily be able to handle it and would be a great support of them. Um, and I think there's major reasons why each of them would be uh, would be a good one. Yeah, you're looking at teams without a captain. Now that Vancouver named their captain, there's nine teams that don't have one. And Nine? Wow, that's a lot. I know. It's kind of surprising. And it just seemed like last year, well, the Jets, they didn't have a captain. But the players told you at the end of the season that Wheeler was the default captain. And I think maybe they do need to name one so you have a guy who you can look to to be that leader, whether it's, you know, Lowry or Morrissey or some kind of leadership, you know, a group of guys. But if you had to put a C on someone, uh, I think I, I could go either way here. Maybe, maybe Morrissey, I wouldn't be opposed to Lowry. I mean, Lowry is here. He was doing stuff with the Toba Center. I saw him and Neil Pionk barbecuing ribs on uh, the Winnipeg Jets social media. I think Morrissey had his golf tournament. So those guys... 
guys are here. I don't know, man. I'm I'm so torn. I could go either way. I would say that most people are saying Morrissey. Um, All right, here. BA, for some reason, says they don't need a captain. Yeah, that sure went great last year. Um, Wheeler was the captain and, last year. They had one. They told you well, at the end. It was Wheeler. Listen, they they absolutely need a captain. Um, but there you go. Oh, we're perfect. We've got the poll the right now. So you can fire it up there. Vote. I guess I should have had of the day. no captain. As one. Top of the list. Um, and then Kevin Kowalik, and I'm not sure whether this is a comedy or he's being serious but double press conference 55 gets the c and the eight-year extension done like it i i <laughs> you would do that no i don't think that's gonna happen but um <laughs> i said i think that they're kind of they're kind of married i think married to each other if hellbuck's not gonna sign i think i they're gonna give one of these guys i think they do keep one of them after all of this and there were reports last week from Elliot Friedman what, saying that Cheveldale is going to talk with Hellebuck. And I know the, the Athletic had some quotes from Cheveldale saying they're comfortable starting the season with both of these guys. I think the Jets are going to have a, lo- a lot of room and maybe can offer these guys more than other people. So I think they yeah. keep one of them. I don't think they're um, both gone. Listen, uh, yeah, Royal Sports Shifley with a contract extension. Again, I don't know whether this is trolling me or not. Kevin Kowalik, I hope to God it's Joe Cuss. Like, to me, I, I don't, I mean, listen, to me, this is an absolute two-horse race. And and even if the contract was was different, I mean, look at the way this la- the last two seasons have ended. Um, uh, listen, I, I, I'm sorry, Mark, great player. 42 goals, does a lot of things to help the teams, does some other things that don't necessarily, um, but I don't think has been uh, a guy that anyone would think of would be captain material compared to a couple of the other guys that we're mentioning right now. Uh, but Morrissey, this th- this uh, poll, certainly a little bit more lopsided in Josh's favor because about, what was it, two weeks or two and a half weeks ago on the Why Not Question of the Day for Not Autocorp, we did it, and it was literally a dead heat. 48, 47, and uh, other was uh, was five. So we don't have the other right now. That's all going to uh, that's all going to uh, to be it. Who SM says in chat... Uh, can't have a third-line center as your captain. Get out of here. And I don't agree with that at all. And then Earl James responds right after. Jordan Stahl is captain for Carolina. He's a third-liner. And they just signed him to some crazy, uh, you know, extension there. So I don't think there's any rule of who. I mean, we talked Chris King was the Jets captain. And, I mean, there's been captains who are not oh, yeah. the, top, the top players. So I there's no hard, fast... Rule, I think maybe you could take in consideration their spot in the lineup. But, hey, Adam Lowry, I mean, he went through a stretch last year. What was it, 40-something games without a goal? But, man, was that guy good. In the playoffs, big body in front of the net. And we know, you know, leader off the ice for sure. So uh, it's a tough well, call. But listen, Josh, when, yeah. when everything went down at the end of last year, who was the guy that put the team on his back? It was Lowry. And I know that he had that long, long stretch in the middle of the year where he didn't score. Um, but, I mean, he, he was the guy. I mean, not only was he scoring, he was the one that was standing up for his teammates to the Minnesota Wild and whatnot. Yes. I mean, he's that dude in that room. Um, 
So anyways, it could be <clears throat> it could be on either side. I have no idea why BA has this take that they won't have one, but I would love to add another one of our wagers. BA is going to win and does ask, just like 55 is going to get traded before camp. Well, here's the problem, BA. Uh, they've tried to do it all summer, and it doesn't seem to be there's any market for him. So now we'll see what happens this year. But as I said, you will get the 20 for that, uh, but I'm pretty sure that I will get the other 20 because the other side of that was that there will not be an extension with the Winnipeg Jets for Mark Shifley. Who knows? Maybe he turns around. Maybe he's had a, a moment of clarity and realizes what is what the market is for him and what's available here in Winnipeg, and maybe that changes. As I said, we will see. But um, uh, it'll be an interesting week next week, certainly when we hear from all those players, particularly Shifley and Hellebuck, um, and again, that report at the end of last week from Elliot Friedman that, you know, there will be a discussion with the organization and Hellebuck and maybe that door isn't as closed as it was reported earlier in the summer by the likes of Pierre Lebrun. Uh, things can change. Things can change for everybody. Um, but I'll tell you what, that is maybe going to be the most interesting part of all of this. I know we're focusing on who the captain is and it's likely going to be either Morrissey or uh, Adam Lowry, Remo, but um, all those other guys, particularly 37 and 55, I think you're going to be getting the majority of the attention when everyone shows up again. Yeah, is there a cool bet line for biggest scrum on day one of training <laughs> camp? Is it, I think Mark Shifley is my bet, although Connor Hellebuck uh, probably up there. We've pretty much talked about those guys every day uh, in the summer, so... Um. <laughs> It'll, I mean, that's the narrative that's going to happen. We're focused, you know, on the present season, going for the playoffs, but also uh, a lot of what is this club going to look like in the future, and are those two guys part of it? And we've talked so much, like signing 30-year-old players, long-term big-money deals. I mean, you just mentioned Andrew Ladd really didn't work out for the Islanders and all those free agents who signed that season. So we'll see. And, uh, you know, talking about the future of the Jets, it is Young Stars week where they do go off to Penticton, on Friday, so the you know, the calendar turning just had Labor Day, banjo bowl, and hockey season very soon. So, you know, we'll have some new uh new conversations. Yeah, by the up. way, speaking of hockey season and the Jets, if you joined us late today, um go to winnipegsportstalk.com, click on the link there, go into the description of this one, click on the link and uh Get in on the Jets WST four-game pack. Uh, amazing response. Um, and we've now opened up more seats across the aisle into 317 because the 316 ones, for the most part, went so quickly. So uh, get on those while you can and uh, join us. We're going to have some great events, some fun little get-togethers before the game in the bar right outside the, uh, the sections that we're in. Early entry for folks. Everybody gets a drink or a beer, or a pop, or a soda with every one of their tickets. And uh, three, four great games. Return of Dubois with the Kings. Oilers and McDavid on a Thursday night in November. Saturday night, HNIC, Jets, Leafs in January, and then a big Thursday night tilt with the Calgary Flames later on in the season. So uh, join us. The WST crew continues to grow, and we are fired up for those four games. All right, let's go to... Um, Let's get to these picks, Reem. Uh, tonight, live racing at 
Assiniboia Downs. We are coming right down to the nitty-gritty in our battle throughout the season. Um, Remus, I am on race one, race two, race three, and race seven tonight. What about you? You said race one. I'm on three, four, five, and seven. Sorry? Sorry, what What did you say? You told me what races you're on? Yeah, one, two, three, and seven. I'm on three, four, five, and seven. Sorry, someone in, in chat um, said the Jets didn't trade Vlad, but they did trade him to Chicago. So every, everyone's correcting that person. When I was in on the correcting. Anyways, done. Anyways, yeah, anyway, back to the picks tonight. You are on race one? Yeah, race one, I've got a two, four, five triactor box high rise in the peg wits rojo and just a buster i okay just a buster is like an auto for me but i i missed that one um i'm on race three which i believe you are too i'm doing a tri a trifecta box one oh, two wait, five I two i got a race two. Oh, you got a race Sorry. two okay go to race two then race two exacta box yeah Number two, Mr. Dazzle, and uh, one of my favorite, Crowned Royal. Two, four. Exactly. Yeah, those are good ones, too. I, I like those. Um, I'm on race three, one, two, five. Explosive, Del Vecchio, and Gallant Oak. That's a bit of a chalk, a chalk box here, so we'll see how much that pays if nice. it wins. I've got four on Del Vecchio to win, number two. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, race... What are you on now? I'm on four. Yeah, I, I only have race seven now. Okay, I'm on four. I have favorite to win five dollars. <laughs> Love that on, name. On the two of my favorite names are in here. I got to do favorite. I mean, it's it's nine to five. It's a program selection, so it's not just a clever name. Yes, yeah. it literally is. Uh, it's got twenty three point seven. It is in fact the favorite. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think Terra Tattoo maybe slightly more favorite, but hey, favorite is still. Well, you don't know fractions very well. Nine to five is less than two. Is five it? To two is two and a half. Is it? Yeah. Ten to five would be two, right? Yeah. Good with fractions. We're doing. I'm doing a lot of stuff here. I'm good with fractions. <laughs> I'm good with fractions. Well, not if you think five two is lower than nine to nine and a half. Yeah, I think you're right. Nine to five. Look, man, I'm Anyways. trying to do bets. I'm trying to do the show. <laughs> I have so much brain power. That's Here. true. I only have so, so I'll take a mulligan on that one. Uh, race five, I'm going five to seven, five, six, seven. Uh, Phantom drop, heavenly trip, and smart call. Trying to make the smart call here, including uh, smart call in my tri trifecta box. Uh, I got two favorites and a longer shot. This is the hustler style trifecta yep. box, tractor box, heavenly trip in there at eight to one. And then you're on seven. Yeah, I got race seven. I've got the old $6 triactor box. What up now, JT, number one. NJ's Brass, number five. And Lipstick Lady. Yeah, Lipstick. Number I think six. One, yeah, five, I got six a, on race seven. I got an exact and not an exact box. I only have $3 left. So I got Lipstick Lady to win with uh, What Up Now, JT. In second, you think that's Justin Timberlake or Jonathan <laughs> Taylor, the uh, the Colts running back, or you know any other J Jim Toth? What JT are we thinking? Jonathan Taves? Do we know? 
who it's uh, referring to. It might affect if I'm betting on it or not. I thought it was Jim Toth. I always say that to Jim. Oh, you say is that his race? horse? Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah. And Jim is a notoriously slow individual. So, in fact, if it was all to do with Jim, speed would not be the first thing that I would connect to it. So um, maybe it is a Jonathan Taves or Justin Timberlake JT. Either one. I'm just trying to enjoy thinking of all the, It's like uh, Puck Doku, but think of uh, all the JTs, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh, great stuff today, mm-hmm. folks. Enjoy this football game tonight. Yeah. Here, one thing uh, we didn't mention, though. we got to mention this. Canada getting bronze at the FIBA, beating up on Team USA. Yes. Gotta I mention did mention it. that earlier in the show, but I'm glad you did. Dylan Brooks, you want to talk about character rehabilitation? Mm-hmm. This guy's gone from the scourge of the NBA. Now, if you're Canadian, everything's forgiven. 39 points he dropped on the U.S. Canada gets the bronze medal. Meanwhile, LeBron says that he's going to come back and play in the 2024 Olympics, and he's going to be getting a bunch of those guys. So they they better be ready to play Canada because not only will we have the guys we had here, but we'll also be getting Jamal Murray. You might remember him last seen holding up the NBA trophy as the point guard on the champion Denver Nuggets. Um, This is an exciting time for Canada hoops, man. I do, yeah, and I do want to say I'm excited for that too, the Olympics, Canada qualifying. That was about... You know, what you care about is disappointing they didn't get to the gold medal game. But beating USA for bronze, almost better than a gold medal. Anytime you can beat, and I know USA didn't have their top guys, but who cares? They beat them. But talking about this and talking about the World Baseball Classic that was back in March, man, hockey, like they they effed up so hard, like not having a best on best since it's the stu- like big, big, like if you grade Gary Bettman's tenure, this is a big black mark. I don't care about revenues or like whatever. Not having international best. Well, all the other sports are figuring out how to do it. I mean, we're pretty close to NFL, like football, American football, best on best global championship. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're closer to that than getting uh, hockey. Because like, how good would it be to talk about, oh, Connor McDavid is recruiting these guys for Canada and USA's got all, you know, well, all the their guys. the sad thing is, Connor McDavid is going to be like LeBron when it finally happens. Yeah. He'll be finishing up his Hall of Fame career. He'll be 35 years old and finally we'll be able to get some of the best on best. Yeah. It's been We've talked about this a lot, but uh, we got to so keep frustrating. We got to keep bringing it up because we got to bring up that the stupid point system's got to keep being and the playoff system. But that's why we're here us to keep bringing these up. Yeah. But it is sad that a whole generation of hockey fans don't have you know, any memories of best on best because some of my favorite hockey memories are 02 Olympics and 2010. 2014 up, was, was lame, but those just, two for me all, and all World the Cups. kids that have said, I grew up as a fan of Team North America from so dumb. the <laughs> oh it was, it, like, it was so dumb. So, and yeah, I didn't, it was hard to take that seriously, even though it was a fun team. But uh, yeah, the 96 World Cup, 04 World Cup for me were big. I mean, the early. Canada Cups. I mean, how often do you see that highlight with uh, the Lemieux goal and Gretzky? It was awesome. Like, we whole generation, you don't have it. And so they messed up really bad, I think. Couldn't yeah. figure out the money or whatever. Well, NBA's figuring it out. Uh, Julian, you know, soccer figures it out. Figured out hockey. Julian mentioning we could very well never see Sid and McDavid never wear the Maple Leaf together, which would just be uh, just be brutal. 
And then Isha Boy, what about Friedman's comments on 32 Thoughts about 37? That was Friday. Open to stay. Yeah, yeah, we did, definitely did cover that on Friday's show. So uh, you can get on over to that. And again, we'll kick around this a little bit more when Mike jumps on the program this week, Murad as well, and all the uh, the usuals. But we do want to get the pod up. I know there's a lot of podcast listeners who are going to want to be listening to the uh, aftermath of the bomber banjo bull beatdown in the first week of the NFL. Great stuff today. Big thanks to Jeff Hamilton. And, of course, joining us from VEASAN, former NFLer Mike Pritchard. That was a lot of fun. Enjoy the game tonight, gang. Um, oh, the one thing that we didn't talk about, I know Adesanya lost in the UFC. I didn't see it, so I was sort of more dialed into football all along. Um, I'm not sure. Was that a big upset, do you know, Remus? Huge upset, Adesanya. I don't know if he wasn't focused or wasn't taking it seriously, but he seemed to have nothing. And, you know, some decisions are are tough calls. That was not a tough call and just a shocking upset there at Asanya losing. Yeah, so uh, that was huge. Uh, and then the Blue Jays finally complete a sweep. They beat the lowly Royals. They get three in a row. And as we go into tonight's action in the majors, the Blue Jays are in a playoff spot. They're actually in the second spot. Now the Rays, of all intents and purposes, clinched their spot. They're eight and a half games up on the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays are in the second wild card. And then one game back of them is the Mariners. And then half a game back of the Mariners are the Rangers. And that is what is going on tonight. Starting off this big series, Dane Dunning, Chris Bassett, 6.07 p.m., you can tune into that before things get going on with uh, with Monday Night Football. Bills and Jets at MetLife Stadium tonight. Um, tomorrow on the program, we will talk a little bit more Jets, certainly, than we did today. We'll break down the Monday Nighter, look ahead to the Bombers practice week, getting ready for Hamilton before their bye week, um, and recap everything going around the NFL and maybe even talk about a little waiver wire priorities for folks in fantasy. It should be a lot of fun. Thanks you for being with us today. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making us a part of your day. And uh, we look forward to seeing you tomorrow live, 1 p.m. right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk tomorrow. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.